don't have your phone with you? No. How do you exist? I mean, in the other room. But at all times. Yeah, crazy. All right. Ready to go? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do it. Well, welcome, everybody, to episode number 61 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here together again. Yay! Together again. Again. Is that a song? It is. It's from Muppets Most Wanted. Oh, okay. I I remember it. I remember it. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Probably 20 years, Drew. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we're here from Goulet Pens, literally both here from Goulet Pens, to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about Drew's time at the San Francisco Pen Show, which is why we did not do an episode last week. We're going to talk about uh, if gold nibs will avoid hard starts better than steel nibs. We're going to talk about what justifies ultra expensive fountain pens. If tablet technology or just technology in general, I guess, will compare to the feeling of a pen on paper. Hmm. And the perfect pen to give someone new to the hobby and the ugliest fountain pen that writes so well you just can't deny it. So it should be pretty good. Pretty good episode, Drew. I'm excited. I'm excited too. All right, everybody. We're going to kick it off with some feedback. All right. Let's back some feed. The first one. Oh, of course, we have to. Um, there was a lot of chuckles and laughter had when you were talking about how if you slow YouTube videos down to like half speed, everybody sounds drunk. Oh, yeah. So, oh, it's a good time. So, um, audiobooks, YouTube, whatever. whatever yeah. It is. So, um, Tyler, three, who three helps us out speed. with our editing, he went ahead and just did that for the video last week. So, <laughs> we sounded appropriately inebriated. And I lolled quite a bit at yeah. that. And I was like saying, dude, and like I was saying words that were really conducive to I'm the drunk you. filter. So, it really it, did. It will never disappoint. Pretty really much anybody work. you put at three-quarter speed is going to sound inebriated. It's, it was it's nice. pretty fantastic. Uh, but then Walter and Conrad in the YouTube comments mm-hmm. both recommended that the half-speed thing get done during our random rant about bumper pool. Oh, yes. And bumper pool. I went ahead and did that, and I was not disappointed because <laughs> not only did it sound silly, but we, we already sounded dumb enough because we were like, boom, 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 boom. But slow down was like, like just absolute well, nonsense. You know, that could be a little hack for all of our audience that just doesn't think that a two-hour pen cast is long enough. If you set it a slower playback speed, you can extend that time out even further. Oh, my God. I'd hate to see their <laughs> doctor's, you know, evaluation of their psyche after that one. That reminds me of like uh, we were looking at uh, board games and stuff because, you know, my kids like to play board games. They have a uh, – there's all these different versions of Monopoly, right? Like, oh, so, so many. many. Of them. Um, they have one that's called The Longest Game, and uh, it's like a double board. There's like extra real estate. And stuff Why there. would so you want like... that? Monopoly's bad enough. <laughs> oh. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking about. If you want the pencast to feel like the longest Monopoly game, just board put it games, on half speed. Board games give me anxiety. What? I can't do them. Oh, all, but dude, you're the, so like nerdtastic. No, like, God, board games just slay me. I, I the, the thought of sitting still at a table with a bunch oh. of people, mm. not being able to do anything else but wait for turns, look at cards, and this is where you need a Rubik's cube. Oh God, you gotta have like that, something that, to fiddle that, with. That just, ugh, I can't do it. Mm. Mm. No, no, no. I need to. I need to know. Mm. I mean, it's the same thing with sports for me. I can't just sit and wait for something to happen, or mm. I need to be constantly 
engaged and you know unless something can end at any moment then that's fine with me if i if hmm. i'm playing a game and at any moment i know that everything can just end that's different hmm. okay but it needs to be able to end instantly you there needs to be some sort of instant death thing that could happen something could go yeah. catastrophically wrong at any moment i don't think there's a lot of board games i know like that chess maybe Chess. No, that's gradual. You know when you're about to lose. Like you, you I mean, one, if you're any good, if you suck, yeah. then you. Well, no, I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess you could get checkmate <laughs> after like not losing a lot of. Oh yeah, that can happen. At any I don't point. think I'm that good at chess. So when I do yeah. play, anyway, it's easy to get surprised. Anyway, well, you, you, that monopoly is upsetting. Um, hmm. Anyway, and then Eden uh, wrote in as well uh, and said, "Hey, Brian and Drew, I just wanted to say thank you for keeping these. Keeping, I want to say thank you for keeping those incredible videos." Okay. I remember when I just got into fountain pens around 2019, Brian videos on, sorry, Brian videos on 101 videos, trying to say yeah, Brian's grammar. videos Grammar's on fountain pen 101, uh, got me more curious and more passionate about it, especially mm. that I didn't have anyone I know that loved this. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention that last year I had a massive burnout that it was even hard to get out of the bed Oof. and your videos made me laugh and having this bright light at the end of the tunnel helped me get back on my feet. So thank you, Brian and Drew. Please keep it up. I know how much it takes awesome. from you. You just helping people without even knowing it. So from the bottom of my heart, thanks. Thank you, Eden. We will That's not awesome. stop as long as you keep listening and watching and putting up with all of the random stuff that you have put up with thus far already. So there you go. Yes, we we treasure the opportunity to be a tiny little bit a part of uh, your burnout recuperation. And Lord knows you're not alone. A lot of people are doing that yeah. right now. So oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Sometimes you just need to talk about fountain pens. There you go. Or hear other people talk about fountain pens. Why not? <laughs> and just listen about it. Uh, I got some feedback from Riley. Uh, oh boy, it's got pronunciation things happening. Uh, Riley says in Polish, fountain oh, this pen, is in response to you, uh, learning yeah, about, about the, the other languages. And, and you said that in most, yeah. re- in most languages, fountain pen translation yeah. has to do with the reservoir, right? Or the fountain. or some version yeah. of that, yeah. Um, so in Polish, fountain pen is called, I'm gonna butcher this, but Pioro Wichni nailed it. Uh, which roughly translates to eternal slash everlasting pen. Since as long as you fill the reservoir with ink, it will last you forever. So there you go. Kind of in that same forever pen. vein. Yeah. Taemin says in Japanese, it's called a 10,000 year brush. That's cool. That's pretty rad. That is cool. I like that. Um, I guess because metal mash lasts much longer than the animal fur of traditional writing brushes. So that's pretty cool, Taemin. And then lurking mammoth said, for podcast 100, Drew should fell a tree and Brian should clean all but three of his pens. Maybe it's a small tree. I don't know that either of us wants to commit to that. <laughs> I like the idea. <laughs> my, my, You would be so disappointed at my felling a tree approach. You'd be mm. just like, why are you just chopping in one direction? And why is it? Why are you chopping it like three feet off the ground? What are you doing? I'd, it'd oh. be, it's a whole thing. There's like tree felling fail videos. Oh. There's a whole series. As long as the tree comes down, did you really fail though? Uh, it can fail, believe me. <laughs> it can fall on you. It can fall on your car, your house. Yeah. I recently saw a video where a tree fell and then um, I think, uh, oh my gosh, what did it do? It somehow launched a guy up into the air. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't on the tree or anything, but I think that. Oh, no, no. It fell and then, like, scooted back somehow yeah. oh, and yeah. then catapulted the guy up and just 
Yeah, there's a whole process. I ain't messing with no trees. It's uh, so, lo- logging is one of the most dangerous jobs. All right, but but have. but how much effort right now with your with the, your pens as inked up as they are? Uh-huh. Would it? How much effort would it take for you to clean every pen but three? It wouldn't be so bad no? because I've, recent, I've recently few? gone through and done a whole bunch. Yeah, I have maybe a dozen or dozen and a half. Oh, so probably right be now. more work for me to fell a tree then. It would, yeah, Dang. definitely more hazardous. Who would be able to do it quicker though? Uh, would, how, how long uh, would it take for you to clean all your? trees? It depends how. I'm clean all your trees. Clean all your pens. It depends. It depends. Uh, how, the, how how safe you're trying to fell your tree. In theory, I, it would be way faster for you to fell a tree because it doesn't. Well, take you, long. not me. You have been, you haven't seen how inept I am at tree felling. I don't know. I kind of want to see it now. <laughs> it depends on the size of the tree, too. I guess <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Anyway, good suggestion, lurking mammoth. I don't think we'll do that. But. <laughs> It's a cool idea. <laughs> that's a great idea to ignore. <laughs> all right. That's all we got for feedback. Uh, let's talk about some new stuff. Oh, yeah. All right. So some new stuff. We have a couple of Monteverde regattas. Uh, we were supposed to get one in and then the other color is supposed to be a couple of weeks from now, but they both showed up this week. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so we have two colors. We have an orange and carbon, which is definitely like a Halloween color. Like, actually looks pretty. It looks pretty tight. Yeah, perfect. Um, side note, Rachel and I were at uh, Target yesterday, and it's like full-on Halloween mode there. And I was like, yeah, it's Labor Day, because this was earlier this week from when it's published. I was like, it's it's Labor Day, and uh, yeah, it's like full-on Halloween costumes. Everything is out. And I was yeah. like, they're really, uh, they're really dragging this one out now. It's much more like, marketable than Thanksgiving, I yeah. guess. They like Halloween gingerbread houses, like mansion, like mansion themed gingerbread houses like you'd have for christmas time yeah, but for I, halloween i think we might have done one of those last year really i think so it's probably not the first year they've done that oh yeah no it's no, like no. i've definitely seen them before there's definitely like way more they have like halloween wreaths that you can like hang on your door i feel like christmas and halloween are bleeding together more in terms of like decorations and things like that Yeah, blame tim burton yeah yeah pretty soon we're gonna be like wearing costumes for christmas and so like, I guess some people do, but Santa Claus maybe? I don't know. Not a bad idea. Anywho, uh, this has nothing to do with the regatta other than it's black and orange, but it's pretty cool. Uh, 80 bucks for that pen, and then they have a blue and yellow one, which is a very different color scheme than the black and orange. Fact. <laughs> uh, but uh, it kind of harkens back to some of the original colors that they had because they had like a blue, they had a white, they had a yellow. Yeah, kind of nautical. Yeah. Very themes, nautical, yeah. yeah. I think a blue and yellow. I mean, that's like those are navy colors and a U.S. Navy, and there's a lot of like this one's got that more of a flecked acrylic style of yellow, though. The, the old one was like kind of a flat yellow. I honestly can't remember. It's been a while. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a flecked resin, though. It's this one, this one definitely has a flecked resin happening. I'll have to go look that up. I don't quite remember. I'm trying to think if I have one of those original. I don't know if I have one of the original yellows. That's I didn't keep every color of every pen. Uh, back then, nor do I now. But Actually, anyway. it might have been yellow and black that they had, and then blue and white. There was a blue and white, for sure. I don't know. Sure. Either way, these are what we have yeah. now. I don't so. think there was a blue and yellow, but anyway. Nah. We got them now. Um, you can check them out. They got German-made Yovo nibs. They're steel nibs. They're magnetic cap. There's chonker of a pen. I mean, they are just very substantial, weighty, if you like that kind of a feel. If you don't, then... This is not a pen that you're going to learn to love unless you just like really like the aesthetic of it. I personally, I love the aesthetic as a writing instrument. I'm like, eh, it's not the most comfortable writing it's thing not. I I've love ever used. Capping and posting it though, yeah, it's got such a satisfying funk. It it does. It's very just like very thunky. Yeah, yeah. It's not subtle in any way whatsoever. Anyway, no. that's what I got. What about you, Drew? Um, well, as far as new pens go, we got in the Caveco Original, which. Ooh. 
is the first time the original has come out, as far as I know. The new original. Right. The, the brand new, never-before-seen original? original. It could be. Maybe so, there was some original original. And maybe aware we of wouldn't it. know. But essentially, it is the Caveco All Sport in a full size. Mm-hmm. So you get a number six nib. So big Which nib like. on more or less the same foreign factor, just extended a bit. So but it's, it's not that much. It's not that much longer. It's still a little pocket pen. Depends on how big your cargo boxes are. Cargo pockets are, I suppose. Well, it's 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 not like <laughs> it'll fit in a regular pocket. Doesn't it? Require yeah, but cargo you pockets? would call that a pocket pen. I would call it a pocket pen. Yeah. I would not call it a pocket pen. Oh, see, I would. Well, I would not. I guess is where we differ. <laughs> yes, this is where we draw the line. It is a comparatively. If, a, if it fits a full size converter, would you not consider it a pocket pen anymore? Because this is about as small. Ooh, this is about as small ooh, a pen okay. as you're going to get. That's a good. It that still fits because it does fit a full size converter, which I yeah. love. Mm. About if it this pen. fits a full-size converter, can it be a pocket pen? Is that where you draw the line? Where do you draw it the line? It might be. Drew? You might have just given me my line, Brian. You Is know I need line? lines. You need, you need lines. You, know you need, need artificial lines. lines. I like that. I'm going to go ahead and adopt that. You've just so given you me say my if line. It doesn't, yeah. If it fits a full-size converter, you would not consider it a pocket pen. Nah. Nope. Nope. What about the E95S? Nope. From Pilot? No. I'm, I'm going to stick to that rule. I'm just saying no. You would not call the E95S a pocket pen? Nope. Wow. Okay. You're committed. You're nah, committed I, I am. I might change my mind later, though. I'm already not liking this rule. I'm just trying it out. I'm trying it out. I'm going to try it out for there, a There days. is no definition for what is a pocket pen. Technically, all pens can be pocket pens. Like, what, what pen can <laughs> Depends you, on your pocket. What pen can you actually not fit in your pocket, right. realistically? Right. Um, anyway. No, I, I will say that I tend to think of pocket pens in terms of if, it, if I put it into my rickshaw three-pen pouch, mm-hmm. does it get lost? Does it disappear? Right. Can you not get it back Right. Out? That's usually what okay. happens with a pocket pen. And yes, that does happen with the E95S. So it's more about the length of the pen then, the overall length of the pen. Yeah, I think we could probably okay. reach an area, reach an actual length that we could agree on. You could you could come up with like a specific measurement and say if it's, if it's one-tenth of a millimeter longer than this measurement, it's no longer a pocket the pen. The world needs limits brian mm. or else it's darkness and chaos see this we got to come up with this stuff this right. is what our All audience right. is looking at this is how we're gonna it's up to world. us to determine these things people ask for classifications on our website and we're like there's there's no rules for any of this stuff we just got to make it up so there we go anyway um and that, then not that's really... a good question in the comments let us know is the coeco original a pocket pen or not curious about that where do you draw the line uh, we also have a new ink sample package set available. I don't know mm-hmm. if you had the chance to see, but we at the Goulet Pen Company have a new video out we about do. Sailor Chroma Shading inks. So I don't know if I can say we. You really had everything to do with this video. Well, I used your password <laughs> to upload it. So, um, okay, sure. it is uh, it's just a package set. If you wanted to buy the inks that are featured in that video, we now have an ink sample package set available to you to buy said ink samples because yes. some of them are pricier inks like the sailor ink studio yeah. bottles those are not cheap so yeah. samples easy way to go if you do like it because those chroma shading inks can be lighter colors and mm-hmm. being able to try them good idea to uh see is this actually legible enough to use so i'm also curious if this is something that people like to see because we, we do, we're doing more i don't know like roundup style videos on youtube because mm-hmm. that's what everybody likes on youtube these days uh and so we came up with that chromo shading thing and we once we launched the video our customer care team was like hey uh can we do an ink sample set on this because everybody's asking for that and we're like oh yeah we can do that real quick so we were a little bit just a little bit behind on coming up with that idea but i'm thinking now like every every video in the future we do like say we want to do on dry inks or wet inks or you know shade you know sheening inks or whatever like should we should we always do an example set to pair with the video that we come out with? Maybe we should just maybe we should just like plan on that. I don't know. Potentially, 
pretty easy. It's easier to do with ink samples than it is for like full bottles or anything like that. But Definitely. I don't know. Definitely. It's cool. Well, that's it for the new stuff. All right. Well, then we're going to move right along to Q&A. All right. Q&A number mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. is from John. Well, hi, John. And John's going to ask us something that has gone into the second page I have here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. John says, it's a, it's a are steel nibs, well, essentially it's, are steel nibs more prone to dry starts than gold nibs? Mm. That That's the gist of it. John, the John of it, yeah. goes on to say that he's got basically a gold nib that always writes and a steel nib that doesn't always write. Mm-hmm. Same ink, same everything else, but mm-hmm. his gold nib seems to be more reliable. And he wants to know, is that because it's gold that it is more reliable? <sighs> well, that's a good question. I thought it was too. Well, that's probably why you put it on the sheet, didn't mm-hmm. you? And you're like, yeah, I want Brian to answer this because I don't want to have to answer it. <laughs> and it is you have no you have no notes on this one, Drew. I guess well, you thought I was going. When I got into the document, I already saw <laughs> quite a few. You're like, oh, Brian's got it covered. Yeah, yeah, you're good on this one. Um, yeah, so this is not a deep dive question for me, but I'll say the answer to this one is not necessarily. That's just a different version of me saying it depends. Uh, correlation is not necessarily causation in this case. Uh, I would say gold nibs are more expensive. Uh, so you would expect that the QC would be higher on a gold nib. You know, there's more um, probably handwork that's done. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, uh, what's the word? Gesticulating? Uh, I am gesticulating with my hand for you podcast <laughs> listeners. I'm spinning my hand in circles because <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, it starts with a G. I'm generalizing. That's what I was trying to think of. I'm generalizing by saying that there's, Probably more handwork done in the tuning of a gold nib than on a steel nib. You know, I can't say that 100% universally, but that's generally the case. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's that's surely a factor, but it's not necessarily the case that all gold nibs will be better at, um, you know, dry, uh, avoiding dry starts than all steel nibs. Um, what gold nibs will do for your pen or for your writing experience um, is the the softer metal of the gold will give a little bit more than steel, all else equal. So you'll have uh, a little bit of flexibility in there uh, so that your tines might spread apart just a bit so that as you're writing, if you are having a pen that tends to write dry, you will actually have a little bit of increased flow uh, with some additional pressure there with a gold nib that wouldn't necessarily be there for a steel nib. So I think it will maybe compensate a little better for that if there is any reason, whether it's paper, ink, or just the tuning, the grind of the nib, or your hand, you know, positioning, or anything like that, that would contribute to a dry start, uh, a gold will compensate for that perhaps a little better than a steel nib, um, but not necessarily like universally. Um, the nib design itself, the feed design, the tuning, and the grind of the nib are all factors in how you know wet or dry a pen will be if you have dry you know starts and things like that. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with feed design, honestly, and how well the the nib seals. I think in in John's case specifically, we didn't read it verbatim, but he was talking about um, you know when he's uh, not with like the pen's capped for a long time and you and you pick it up and go to write with it. He was talking about when you're you know have the pen in your hand. And you're going to write with it after it's been kind of sitting out for a bit. Yeah, or so you're, those you're are kind pausing of between sentences or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I think those are sort of different things. So, I mean, if you look at a pen like a Lamy 2000, for example, yeah, it's a gold nib, but it's like the hooded design and, and the feed and stuff like that inside there that are probably more of a factor than the fact that that nib is gold. Um, so I think there's probably a lot of things that contribute to that um, that uh, don't necessarily have to do with the gold per se. 
Um, but I would say in general, yeah, it's it's probably true we hear less issues of dry starts and stuff like that, except with baby's bottom. That's the one thing where gold can really mess you up uh, because sometimes in order to keep them smooth, since the, the tines can be a little more flexible, um, some manufacturers may overpolish them a little bit, which in the right combination of ink and paper uh, can actually cause the gold nibs to have more starting issues than your steel nibs. Um, but again, with a little bit of pressure, it'll usually get it flowing again. So even that you can sort of compensate for it a bit. So it's not like a universal answer, but I would say that, you know, it's, it's probably safe to say somewhat that steel nibs may struggle a little bit more, but it's not a total universal thing. And you shouldn't like think that something's wrong one way or the other. Um, just, you know, generally speaking, if you get gold, you'll probably have, you know, slightly less of these issues. Yeah. And I, I do agree with everything you said, but the first part in particular, I'd like to just kind of reemphasize mm-hmm. where Brian mentioned gold nib pens are just like one of the additional markers of one of the more high quality themes of writing instruments. Mm-hmm. Like once you get up into the hundreds and hundreds of dollars, yes, gold nibs are definitely a bonus, but they're indicative of an array of things that are leading to that higher price a lot of the times. Not all the times. Like you said, it's like an indicator, a causation kind of deal. So it's more symbolic. Like if you are going to look for a pen mm-hmm. that has a gold nib, you can usually expect a higher degree of handwork and quality across the board in other areas too, and all mm-hmm. of which might contribute to a better writing experience, better seal on the cap, you know, better mm-hmm. design feeds, all that sort of stuff. So gold nib by itself is only one of many variables that it could affect to flow and hard starts and dryness and all that stuff. No, one factor I didn't, I just kind of picked up on this as you were talking here, but he, he mentioned the ink that he's using is Diatramentus Archive Black, mm-hmm. which I believe is a pigmented ink. So that also is probably contributing to his experience, even though he's using the same ink on both pens. That's a higher maintenance ink. It's a higher maintenance yeah. ink, yeah, that you're going to have a little bit more maintenance, you know, especially it's like when you first ink up the pen, it might be fine one way or the other. But if you're writing with it a bunch or, you know, over time, some of that pigmentation might build up a little bit in the feed and you might start to see some flow issues over time if you're not cleaning it, you know, frequently. Um, so that could be contributing, you know, still doesn't hundred percent explain, you know, the difference between the two, but I think this is probably contributing to the fact that because you got a gold nib, maybe that can open up a little bit and let increased flow. That's probably helping with this specific ink and other pigmented ones like that. Because I know if you have like flex nibs and gold nibs and things like that, those pigmented inks will generally tend to be a little less fussy in some of those. So a lot of different factors here, but um, you know, got an opportunity at least to talk through some of them. Like most things in fountain pens, there's a lot of different things going on. But anyway, uh, let's move it to the next question. This is from KC2NPU, and this question is for Drew. Oh, you got notes. You got notes for days on this I one. I got notes. I'm All saying right. some things. All right. So expecting a super definitive answer on this one, Drew. If some companies can make affordable fountain pens... What is the justification for the ultra expensive pens? Hmm. Well, and you got ultra expensive taste, so I think you're a good one to answer. Oh, champagne taste for sure. <laughs> Give me all of the champagnes. That's right. Um, so it's a great question, and the what, why is a fountain pen so expensive? Question is, you know, a very, very common question, of course. So, um, first and foremost, though, not all companies can do that. Both make 
a affordable pen and a very expensive pen. Mm-hmm. And of those that can do both, even fewer can actually do it well. Mm. Like that is a big deal. Most pen companies cannot produce a really nice affordable pen and a really nice super expensive pen. Not even pen companies. I think most companies most com- yeah, like in general. That's an achievement. So you know? going off of this, like if some companies can make affordable fountain pens, what's the justification for ultra money? So mm. going off of that question, Pilot pops into my head because they are one of the few ones that can do both. Mm-hmm. Pilot's mm-hmm. very unique in that aspect. But mm. for this particular question, they're a great example. So if you take a Pilot pen anywhere from $10 to you're more or less going to be paying just for their manufacturing costs. Something like a $14 Kakuno is just a lot less goes into making that pen than a custom 823. You're paying for the materials, the manufacturing cost, the time, the effort, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then after that, not necessarily at $301, but after 300, you generally start to see pens entering the pilot market that uh, require you to pay a little bit more for more artistic or artisanal effects. So limited resins, and then you get into Machier and Arushi work after that. So after, Pilot is actually one of the ones that it's pretty easy to point at a pen and say, I, will, I can describe to you exactly why it is that cost. Not all of them are like that, but Pilot actually is one that if you wanted to define where the cost is coming from, it's not super hard to do that because it, you can see all the parts, you can tell what it does, and they're very upfront with the techniques and artistry that you start to get once you get past like that, you know, five, six hundred dollar range up into the thousands. And it usually is just that it, it is usually art, very materials based, mm-hmm. and the more limited the material, the more costly the pen. So um, that's an easy way to define why Pilot's pens are the way they are. Um, but not all companies are like Pilot. In fact, most of them are not. Uh, sometimes you do actually have to pay a little bit for a brand name. Um, you have companies like Montegrappa or Visconti, and yes, th- you do pay a little bit for brand there. But another thing you pay for is the fact that it just simply costs more money to make a pen in Italy than it does in Japan, and you're also going to have to be paying for that as well. Um, and then also, uh, to going back to this um, question... Those are two companies that while they are known for making luxury writing instruments, they have tried and uh, have not been able to found, find success in making affordable fountain pens. So uh, they, and that's no slight against Montegrappa or Visconti, they're not working with the same resources that a company like Pilot is working with. A Pilot has, Pilot as a company, along with Lamy, I'd say, Brian, has mm. probably the most vast amount of resources available to it in the fountain pen industry. Those two, like even yeah, more so than so. more so than uh, a platinum or a sailor, like they, they can make, I don't know how big sailor is, but I don't know that they're bigger than Lamy. Yeah. That I think Lamy and pilot are probably the two me. and Lamy, the Lamy pilot are probably the two that can mm-hmm. make a very well, uh, functioning affordable writing instrument. And then, mm-hmm. you know, go up in the plus $300 range and make a really nice, luxury writing instrument as well. So it's pretty rare that someone can do both easily, but um, Mm -hmm. with those two, uh, it just comes down to how much it costs to actually manufacture the thing. With Pilot, it's usually more easily defined. With Lamy, it gets a little hazy because some of their more luxurious pens are, uh, I guess, a little bit more 
experimental in its in their design approaches. Well, they don't they don't have a lot of very expensive pens. Like they don't have as extensive a range as Pilot no, does. No, but like when yeah. you like the first thing that pops into my head is the Dialogue Arushi. Like there's there's a yeah, lot going was, on there. That there's there, that's that, kind of an anomaly though. It, it not, is it is, know. but but it's a very Lamy thing. They're they're trying something really out of the box, mm-hmm. very design conscious, which is not mm-hmm. something you'll see from Pilot. Pilot is not a company that you will ever see put. Well, I guess unless you're talking about Machier, that's more traditional design, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not one to experiment. They say like, "What if we did this?" You know, Lamy definitely yeah, it's a, it's a Lamy approach. definitely does that. Like, why not approach. like have a why not have a pen that's just not really a shape that any other pen has ever been. You won't see Pilot doing yeah, that. Yeah, Lamy is unique in that respect. They've got yeah. all kinds of like design awards and yeah. they've got that industrial kind of look. Uh, they specifically hire people outside of the pen industry to design many of their pens. You know, that's something I take a lot of pride in. So right. I do think they're unique in that respect. For sure. I mean, Pilot's done a lot of innovative things over the years. And like, certainly, they certainly have a lot of engineering and stuff, but it's, they take a different approach to it. Not as they're a little bit more risk averse, I think, than Lamy is. Oh, it's hard to say. Pilot it's likes to. to Pilot seems to have sure things, except for their converters. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about that Con seventy, aren't you, Drew? I mean, <laughs> any of their converters, really. I love Pilot. I just they'd be perfect if it weren't for their converters. Well, I can't can't argue too much on that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I are you are. Uh, is that, is that what you yeah, want to I cover? feel like I'm, I'm buttoned sure up. Covered? Okay. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, it's not just the pen world, but it's pretty much like anything else, like any other product category that you would think of. There's going to be really affordable things and really high price things. Um, mm-hmm. I think most ultra premium prices, whatever arbitrary dollar amount we were to put, we would put that on in the fountain pen world. I would say maybe, I don't know, a thousand dollars or more. I mean, it gets pretty, it gets pretty um, interesting to justify Pens in the thousand dollar plus price range. You yeah. could argue even five hundred dollars plus. Absolutely, it's pretty tough. Um, it was funny because like uh, I listened to the podcast uh, Office Ladies. Oh yeah, love Office know? Ladies. Yeah, big fan of the Office and all that. Uh, and they actually mentioned a couple of weeks ago. They mentioned the uh, pen addict mm-hmm. on there, which I thought was awesome. And Angela Kinsey was on there talking about like, yeah, they even have some really expensive pens, like twelve dollars. Oh man, can you imagine? And it was just like. Yeah, that's uh, that's a different perspective than uh, <laughs> than than when you're kind of in the fountain pen world. But it's it's kind of like anything else. Like if you start to get into like watches, as an example, I mean that puts pens to shame in yes. terms of when you talk about premium and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think fountain pens are interesting because it's very enthusiast driven. Like I don't think you end up, I don't know. I guess you have premium pricing, but you you're not necessarily into. Uh, like your traditional luxury goods, you know, luxury is a category of goods that in like the economics space is talked about in terms of like designer clothing and handbags and really expensive, like exotic cars and watches and that kind of stuff. You don't really hear like fountain pens coming up. No, I would put kind of fountain things. pens in the same line as knives because they are yeah. also tools. Okay. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. get really crazy expensive knives, yeah. but they're also still used. Okay. So yeah. you could get a crazy like amazingly rare steel that good, will hold an analogy, edge yeah. super long. Mm-hmm. Um and then but you, you're always using them. Yeah, but they're you never, can you can easily have a I mean, yeah, that's actually a really good yeah. comparison because knives there's there's a bit of overlap, yeah. you know, in the knife and the pen world. Um, but, uh, I think even like in terms of the pricing, I mean, you can obviously get 
pocket knives that are incredibly inexpensive and they work economical, great. but you can get like really cool designer, crazy ones that are $10,000 mm-hmm. that kind of fall into that, like Machia type category, crazy materials and super limited, you know, single run of 30 knives that sell like yes. limited edition fountain pens do. Um, so a couple of things that came to mind as you were talking, um, there's a concept called the law of diminishing returns, which some of you may have heard about before. Um, but it's basically like there's a curve of, um, you know, the, the, when you have something that's really inexpensive or you can use it for justify how much time you spend on something or how much thought or effort you put into something, um, you usually get a, a pretty high, you know, increased rate of return at the beginning, like at the low end of whatever it is. So like if you go from like a $1 pen to a $10 pen, it's going to be like big difference, pretty big difference. But when you go from a $300 pen to a $310 pen, there's arguably no difference. Or even three really. to five hundred. Yeah. So it's like the amount of, you know, benefit or the amount of increased difference that you'll see uh, diminishes quite a bit the more expensive you get into whatever the thing is. You can argue that for pens or cars or wine or anything like that. Uh, and so it means that for most people, it's just not worth it to get this more expensive stuff because you have to spend so much more to get something that seems, you know, a, a marked difference for mm-hmm. you. Um, but, uh, you know, so that definitely applies to fountain pens, like everything else. Um, also when you're talking about, um, you know, the prices of pens, uh, a lot of it has to do with the size of the companies that are producing them too. Um, cause you have something called economies of scale. So you have a company like, you know, using Lamy as an example, they've been around for a long time. They produce a ton of pens. They have a lot of pens that all share the same nibs, you know, they're injection molding pens like their safaris. And so they can use the same molds over and over and again, and they can just put different, different plastic in and change the colors of them. So they have a lot of efficiency. They can really well engineer something and focus a lot on quality, but produce a lot of them, therefore getting the the incremental cost of producing them down. So any company that you have that's larger like that, that produces very inexpensive pens, you can get really high quality if they're at scale. Now, a company like, I don't know what some of the other ones you gave. I don't know how, I don't know how big Sailor is. but Visconti, Visconti as an example. Montegrappa, we know exactly how big Montegrappa is. Montegrappa has, what, 50, 60 people maybe in that whole company? And they have some machines and they have some cool stuff too, but they're not a mass-produced company. Like, no. they're not mass-producing anything. There was no conveyors or there was no automated machines. Right, Like, you exactly. get a guy working at a machine, brings it over to a girl who's working on the machine, and, you know, they just move Yeah, like, they're, they're using machines, but it's like they're producing individual components and yeah. stuff like that. They're producing small batch, time. small batch items. They do a lot of bespoke work with jewelry and, you know, jewel setting and that type of stuff. So it's, it's, um, much more high touch kind of a thing, lots of labor involved, uh, from piece to piece. So, you know, it's not necessarily that like one is better than the other, but just the amount of time and effort that it takes, which kind of fits into the whole law of diminishing returns thing. It takes so much more work to produce a pen like that in a small batch. So if you have some companies like Pilot or like Lamy that are producing pens at a much larger scale, they can produce a really high quality pen for very inexpensive, but they're all going to be, you know, a certain style of pen. You're not going to get any of these crazier materials and things like that because in order to produce something different than what those are um, requires a whole different approach and it's way more time and labor to do that. So that's why it goes up kind of exponentially in price. And then something that we, we don't see this a lot in the fountain pen world, but I am interested in this just because we, you know, we, we're kind of tangential to some other things like knives or watches or whatever. So we, we know people who are also into these other worlds. And it's interesting hearing what goes on, like, for example, in like the watch world. Um, this happens much more, but there's something called, there's a concept called Veblen goods. I don't know if you've ever heard of this concept. 
But traditionally, you have a relationship between supply and demand, right? So the more supply you have of something, usually the less demand goes down. If you have a limited supply of something, demand goes up, right. and therefore price goes up. Makes sense. Well, the Veblen goods falls into this interesting place where, you know, typically if you have something that's more expensive, people want it less because they don't see as much of value. But Veblen goods in particular is a specific category of luxury goods where the more expensive it gets, the more people want it. Like Mont Blanc. <clears throat> Mont Blanc or Lamborghinis mm. or Rolex or whatever. You know, you could there's all these different types of good designer, you know, handbags. Like is a designer handbag really worth four thousand or six thousand dollars? Is it really that much better or is it that people want it because they can't get it? Because you're on like a three year waiting list and no one can get it. And because it's more expensive, people want it more. So there's a specific category of goods called Veblen goods. I think you could argue that maybe some pens could fall into this category, like Mont Blanc being one brand that, you know, they're part of Richemont, which is like in LVMH. They're in, that is like Veblen world mm-hmm. right there in the designer, designer brands. So I would say Mont Blanc does tend to fall into that with some of their stuff. Um, but uh, this happens, I think, way more in like the fashion world and the cars and, and these types of things where the price just goes up so much and um, they can pretty much charge almost whatever they want. I don't think that happens much in the pen world, but I think there is some some a little, little bit of that that bleeds over just because I know from some of the manufacturers like um, uh, Monograppa and some others, Visconti even, where they deal more with some people who are kind of in those worlds. Um, sometimes actually like these like really expensive, um, you know, pens that are like four or $5,000. I've heard from some suppliers of ours that those will actually be like a gift with purchase for somebody that buys a hundred thousand dollar watch. They'll give like a $5,000 Visconti, the, whatever the, whatever the jewelry store or whatever that carries these things, they might throw in a pen as like a gift with purchase. I mean, it seems completely insane to, you know, the average person that that would happen. But when you think about it like that, you're like, oh, okay, that, you know, makes sense if you're, you're getting like a five percent little bump if you're already spending a hundred grand so, on a watch yeah. like once you've justified that in your mind yeah then this really expensive pen it's like oh this is a unique cool interesting pen that not many people have that that kind of falls into the category of, of a veblen good so yeah it could be that your average fountain pen enthusiast doesn't find these pens appealing in any way but for those who are very 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 select group of people that may fall into this kind of like Veblen good category. Maybe some of these ultra premium pens could be desirable in that world. But yeah, I, I, I don't really know who those people are because we don't deal in that world. But Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't think of any particular pen that everybody would pay for no matter how high it got. Like fountain, I feel like fountain no, pen I, people are way too discerning to... I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I think I think there's a lot of other branding and other promotion and things like that that go along with it. Mm-hmm. That's actually what you're buying, like the name brand, the exclusivity. That's that's what you're. That's part of what you're paying for. You're not just paying for the good itself. You're paying for the brand. I do the, wonder. The closest thing I could think of would probably be of what we sell, mm-hmm. the Visconti Homo Sapiens, because we've had that pen for a long time now, and. We have had, you know, a few price increases, and that pen is still so sought after by so many people. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's because it's like the. I don't think that. Falls no, I don't into think. I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's because. I'm. I'm trying to think of like which pen could continue to go up high in price, and people would still buy it regardless. So I'm just thinking of like it's hard to the, say. the Vanishing Point, the 2000, the 823, and the Homo Sapiens. Those are the ones that thought I thought of because mm. they're such 
popular pens. But there's like, people that actually like use. I know, pens, I know. Though. So maybe it's none of them. But I'm like, I don't of, know, I don't of know that those, any that we do. You yeah, know? of those, like the closest one I could think of was maybe be the Homo sapiens. But I, I don't know. I would I, say, I would say like the Urushi, the limited edition Urushi, whether it's a, a Namiki or some of the Sailor Bespoke. Sure. Or something like that, yeah, could maybe fall. Some into of those that are category. super rare too. Like the yeah, the like rarity the, is like a the big Vermilion, part of it. Um, yeah, uh, Yukari Royale, like right. that thing. Every time it shows up, it's yeah, yeah. Those might fall into it, but I mean, yeah. uh, in in the watch world, for example, just to show you, like this doesn't this does not happen in the pen world, but what happens in the watch world? They'll have specific super limited things that are like the hundred thousand dollar, like crazy expensive stuff. But you can't even get one. Right. Like you can't just walk into a store and buy one. They'll just like laugh at you. Right. They're like, no, you're not going to do that. You have to buy like 10 other watches to even have the invitation to, to buy that crazy expensive watch. And you're essentially kind of like overpaying for all the lower price, like $5,000 watch, $10,000 watches so that you can get. You're essentially, you know, kind of buying your way into the club to get that expensive thing. Like Ferrari does this. Like you can't, you can't walk onto a lot and buy a, a Ferrari, like the new Ferraris. You have to already own a couple of Ferraris to get in there. Like, how do you get those? You gotta like beg and plead, and they vet you, and yeah, it's like a whole thing. Oh wow! Like you have to, they, and you have to like drive it a certain amount of time, and keep, so you have to get like a basically like a traded in Ferrari. Like oh. you have to get kind of like a pre owned one from the dealer and have it for a couple of years and take it to the track and all this kind of stuff. Jeez. They gotta like basically make sure that you're gonna be like a hardcore enthusiast before you even get the opportunity to spend a quarter million dollars or four hundred thousand dollars on a new Ferrari. So it's like this is a whole different world. Glad they didn't do that for the Pontiac Aztec, right? Well, no one wanted that. No one wanted that vehicle. No, no one's going to do that. But um, anyway, so it is, a, it is a whole different world. I think it's interesting. And I've watched like I don't know, YouTube videos and stuff. I can and, tell. And, yeah. It's just, I find it fascinating because I kind of like economics and stuff in general. But I don't know. That, I think you could, you could at first glance look at it and be like, oh, that's probably what's going on in the fountain pen world. In our experience, no, not really. We're not dealing no. with like ultra exclusive people. We have no like thing that's like, oh yeah, you have to have certain pens before you can buy no, the whatever no. thing. No, ours is always first going. Especially first not store. our customers. Like no. maybe there might be a fountain pen store out there somewhere that has those type of customers. We don't like. No, ours. we don't. We we have vendors think, come in sometimes and we yeah. ask them. Uh, can you eyedropper this? And they look at us like we're insane because I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, People are going to ask. They're like, we're like, who's doing that? Like, we're like, only your customers ask. No one else asks that. I'm like, what? It's true. It's just the thing. People are going to be curious. They're going to ask us. Yeah. I think it happens a lot more in jewelry stores. Yeah. Like sure. it's much more common in jewelry, especially with like watches and those types of things. You know, some of our, some of the, some of the pens we sell are also sold in jewelry stores, but those are not to pen enthusiasts. Right, right. They're to watch people or whoever, you know, that right. are, that are, also think that a really crazy looking pen is something interesting to carry, but I don't know who those people are. Uh, anyway, moving along. All right. We got a third question. Um, I like this handle. I know. I bet you do. Mm. AT the speed cuber. There you go. All right. So AT asks, do you ever think the technology of a stylus and tablet would be Mm. able to get to a point where it was just like the feeling of a fountain pen with Tomoe River, for example? Mm. The Remarkable 2 tablet is headed in that direction of paper-feeling tablet, and if so, what do you think this would do to the future fountain pen enthusiasts? I think future fountain pen enthusiasts will be just as much into fountain pens. I don't think that... You know, to me, this is like you're trying to make it something that it isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's like 
how many people thought that the Kindle was going to just eliminate the need for all books? Yeah. Right? No one would read anything in a paper book anymore. I, I heard that. And there's plenty of people that have plenty of Kindles and, or iPads or whatever. But regular books have not gone away. I still see them. Yeah, they're still around. Saw one today. Yeah. Vinyl records. Why in the world do vinyl records still exist? Tell me. I, I don't know. But I think that what you're seeing is that, you know, when you have something that is more mainstream and more of a just utility uh, commodity, if you will, like paper, it's absolutely a commodity for communication for a long, long time. Uh, when technology starts to replace that, I don't think it completely eliminates the need for paper. I think what happens is the things that are unique to paper and that you can only get with paper or maybe a fountain pen or the feeling, the combination and the writing and the richness that you get from that, that becomes the distinguishing factor about that experience, which means that your senses get heightened, your intentionality around using these products gets heightened so much more. I think that technologically, yeah, we're, we're probably not there where you can replace that feeling with digital technology. I think that we'll reach a point where you could replace the exact feeling of a fountain pen on paper, but I don't think it's going to be economical to do so. Sure. Because it's not going to be a broad enough appeal because there's not enough people that are going to be, you know, looking for that necessarily. Because most people just don't think about the feel of a pen on paper enough to to make sense to go through all that engineering to create a product around that. I think the the commodity of communication, whatever that format is, is is probably already surpassed the writing down of words. You know, it's like if you can do a speech or a video or something instead of typing or writing out a word, like we've already passed that. So there's, there's going to be some technology that comes along to emulate some of that kind of paper feeling almost as a novelty. But I don't think it's going to, for, for people that are like really into it and have like enjoyed the analog feel of it, we're not going to be like, oh yeah, this tablet replaces my entire desire for using fountain pens. Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's just that. Pen. It's that analog feel. And it reminds me of when mm -hmm. we had um, Hey Matthew on here to talk about analog hobbies and oh, why yeah. there's that kind of Venn diagram crossover. Mm -hmm. And it is the actual physical touching, the process as well. Matthew yeah. likes to, as many other people do, shoot on um, uh, analog film with mm -hmm. his cameras. Mm -hmm. So, And there's that process of developing. And you while you can shoot easily on your phone, like why oh, wouldn't yeah. you choose? You're literally doing it more expensive and more difficultly. Difficult, yeah. And that's what fountain pens are. We're all doing something that costs more money and mm -hmm. is more difficult than it would be to just like take a note on your phone. Like we don't, yeah. you, don't even, you don't even write it. You don't even need to use a ballpoint, really. You, you don't, don't even need to write anything if you, you don't, don't want need to. to. Write. You can just speech to text. You, don't even, have to, you don't even have to pick up your phone. You can just be like, hey, <laughs> right. hey, phone, so, send a text to my wife that says I'm coming home right. for dinner. It's like a fountain pen is, is like multiple steps removed from anything that uh, you have to do. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is the tactile analog nature of it. And it's the yeah. same with any other uh, analog mm -hmm. hobby that, that brings a different sort of connection that no matter how mm -hmm. realistic something gets, um, it's not it's not going to be the same it's not going yeah. to give you that same sensation on your fingertips and just right. the process of going through it is going to be different mm -hmm. because the process like i'm going to get into in the next question is a massive part of the hobby mm. well i think too it's interesting thinking about what problems that technology solves i mean you can look at certain certain sensory things that we deal with that technology has done an amazing job of moving things forward i think visual is one of the 
biggest impacts, you know, anything visual. I mean, now we can just look at the pandemic and being able to have virtual meetings and video calls and all that. You can see somebody else and, you know, it's not the same as being in person, but boy, has it come a long way. So huge leaps visually, auditorily, also fantastic. That's why us doing videos like this, we can show you pens, we can talk about them. You can feel like you're right here with us. Super cool. Technology has done amazing things helping with that. But some of the other senses technology has honestly lacked quite a bit. Smell. Really, smell is one that is never... I can't smell any of you right now. I know. You can't smell us, which is probably a good thing because we tend to get a little swampy up here in this this Coffee breath at least. Yeah, we definitely both got the coffee thing going on. Um, But, uh, you know, that's one. Uh, On touch, though, touch is also one. And taste as well. Technology's done nothing for taste, really. Um, I don't want to taste you, Drew, in any sense. But I'm offended. (laughs) Touch is one that, like, technology has not really done a whole lot. It's on some things, um, I guess, like, more in terms of chemistry and physics. But but in terms of digital technology, digital technology has done very little, very little to help anything with touch yeah you know and you know it's like you can have whatever the pencil that has a little bit of a feel of drag on the screen of the thing and whatever. i had but one of those one time I had, a, like, I had a wacom tablet and it had yeah. a little graphite attachment and yeah and that's like okay eh. that's interesting but it's like it's no. it's such a sad replacement for it especially if you like if you really desire that aspect of the experience I think the technology is always going to yeah. feel lacking. I, mean, I did like it better. It was my preferred tip sure, on the sure, tablet. Sure, sure. But I didn't feel like I was writing with a pencil. Like not, right. for, not for one moment. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that didn't enter my brain. I just liked it because so, it was less yeah. slippery. Or if you're, yeah, if you're an enthusiast who's like using, like doing, especially if you're doing like artwork or something, it, it's a comp, it, it does something different. It accomplishes something different, you know? So I'm not saying that like it doesn't have its place or whatever, but I think, I think it, if anything, it will help to complement fountain pens, not eliminate them or replace them or anything like that. And I think we can look back on 13 years now of doing Goulet pens with, I mean, gosh, how many people who, when we first got into this industry, how many people thought like, I don't even know if fountain pens are going to be around, you know, this generation is not even being taught how to write anymore and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, that future is (laughs) even uncertain because it's not like it's being taught more in schools than it used to be. But I think the people that are using fountain pens now are more intentional about that experience than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago because it's more rare. It's more special. The technology that many feared would replace it has actually helped to increase the enthusiasm, the education, the connection within the community. So I don't fear technology in terms of that as long as it's you know being used for the right reason. For sure, technology can replace you know, things quite a bit. And fountain pens are definitely not now what they used to be. They serve a different purpose. But I think at this point where we are in like the maturity curve of the technology of fountain pens, I don't think it's going to get disrupted much harder than it's already been disrupted. Because it used to be you had thousands or tens of thousands of pen companies across the world. And they were making just millions and millions and millions of pens every year. Now that's obviously a shadow of its former self. But the people that you have that are using fountain pens now are doing so, so much more intentionally and for the experience uh, than maybe what they used to. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking about, uh, you know, digital versions of analog things that actually introduced me more to the analog things. Like there was Mm -hmm. a video game for the Xbox 360 that I remember getting that was a pinball game, but it was Mm -hmm. actual pinball tables from, Mm -hmm. you know, the 90s and stuff. And I played the heck out of that game. I loved it so much. And then... 
I actually found these tables, uh, found that there's a website you can go to to find out where these tables are in relation to you. Mm -hmm. So you can actually go and play. And that made me get way more into the actual physical nature of the pinball table. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, forget that game. That's that's totally different. Like, this is so much better going to actually yeah. finding one at an arcade or a brew pub or something like that and uh, actually getting your hands on there. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, like you said, it complemented the hobby. Yeah. I, it, it actually enhanced it. It's like, it's it like because, a gateway into because it. Because, exactly, yeah. I wouldn't have known about these tables or yeah. how much fun they were. Uh, and I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have become passionate enough to actually seek them out and yeah. drive somewhere just to find them in, yeah. if I didn't have that uh, video game. So yeah. it's definitely no replacement, but it can definitely help complement for sure. Yeah. But I think it, it's, it's, it, it does that for anything that falls into like a niche category. I think if you have something that is mainstream or commoditized, that's what's going to get disrupted really hard with technology. But I think the use of pen on paper has, that's already happened. That's already be so far been decommoditized. Yeah, so far long ago. That all got replaced when computers were coming around in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, all that. Um, and now you got mobile technology and all that. It's, we're so far beyond that um, that I think now, now anything that you have you know, related to a digital thing that, that seems like it might replace part of an analog experience like fountain pens, it's a novelty yeah. that's going to fall within a, a sub-niche of the technology of people who geek out on technology that emulates analog but that's going to be its own subset of enthusiasts. I don't think you're going to have many people that are going to be like abandoning fountain pens to get into that. No. Especially I, because technology in itself gets outdated pretty quickly. And part of the beauty of fountain pens is like I buy a fountain pen now, 10 years later, same fountain pen. I can still pick it up and use it and enjoy it. I can't say that about a 10-year-old tablet that may be laying around, an old Palm no. Pilot or something like that. It's not even going to work anymore. Nope. So I think it serves a different purpose. We can celebrate each for what they are and enjoy all of them together. But, uh, you know, I, I welcome it. I think we've seen more technology that has helped the fountain pen world in the last 10 years than replaced it. So I welcome it. All right. Drew Shisheng31 asks, what kind of fountain pen is a perfect gift? Perfect. You have to get this right mm-hmm. for someone new to it. Okay. Well, Shang, Shang, S. S. Shang, 31. I need to ask you about the recipient. I just need to know two things, okay? Mm. I need to know whether or not they are the type of person that is a little bit more pragmatic, just wants, or you think they might want a better writing experience, a more just enjoyable writing experience, or if they are prone to nerding out about some things, more of a hands-on, tactile enjoyer of uh, hobbies. Because I would give you two different answers. If we're going with the more pragmatic, down-to-earth, grounded person who you just want to provide an excellent writing experience to and say, like, hey, this is what fountain pens can do for you. They can just, they write better, they're more enjoyable to put pen to paper and just do everyday stuff with. Pilot Varsity, without a doubt. Like, that pen, pretty solid answer. it writes, it's not going to break the bank, you're not going to scare anybody off with it, it's not intimidating, you can ignore it for a month or two or three, and it'll still write. So giving that to somebody will provide them with the experience, the writing experience. That pen mm-hmm. is just really good for saying, hey, this is what a fountain pen feels like. This is, you know, be careful. Don't just, like, touch it to your hand or don't leave it uncapped. Like, you're going to get the writing experience. Yeah. Like, that is the best, quickest, easiest, and less risky way to give somebody, to gift somebody yeah. the fountain pen experience. It's not an intimidating pen. Like, no. some fountain pens, you hand it to somebody, and they're like, oh, I don't want to break it. And you need it. to explain it. Like, yeah, okay, how do I work this? Show me how to work it. Like, no. Right. 
Uncap it and write, cap it when you're done. Yeah. yeah that's it. That's the pilot it's of hard, hard to screw it up. It really is. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's, that might be just overall, like that could go with, you know, pretty it, solid. What, I, what I'm about to say too, the pilot of varsity is still a great answer for this. But if you do, if you kind of get this feeling like maybe we're talking about a, a knife, a folding knife enthusiast or mm-hmm. an analog photography enthusiast, and you're like, you know what? This person might actually like a fountain pen, mm. but for those other reasons, maybe that, you know, they're in the planning or something like that. They're mm. a big journaler, but they're using a boring pen, and you think they might actually, like, have a bit of a passion for this. Mm-hmm. Then I would recommend a Twisby Swipe because with the Twisby Swipe, it's affordable, obviously, but you also get that process that I was talking about mm. earlier. You get your cartridge, your traditional converter, your fun spring-loaded converter, it is a super reliable writer because it's Twisby. It seals really well, so you can open it up and use it months later, and it'll still work. Mm-hmm. But you get that process. It's in a cute little white box. You open it. You get all your little pieces there. Yeah, the presentation is better than – I mean, the Varsity just comes as a pen. It's yeah. not even in a box. Right. Yeah. So if you want to gift somebody the process of mm. you know filling up and using and setting up a fountain pen, because to me, that's half the fun. Like I, I mm-hmm. like writing – but I also just love the process. It's a ritual. Yes, that's, yeah. I love that. That's one you. of my I'm biggest things. You. And a lot of fountain pen people are. Some people aren't. They're just sure. like, they are doers. They want something that's going to write. They want a massive ink capacity because they don't want to do the process any more than they have to. And mm-hmm. I get that too. Yeah. So those are my two things. Whether or not you want to gift them the process and the things to nerd out about, or if you just want to gift them just simply the writing experience, the varsity mm-hmm. for the writing experience, the swipe for the process. And if they really like putting their pens clipped onto things, then... <laughs> then the varsity is where to go. <laughs> <laughs> if they like the illusion of a clip. If they like the illusion of a clip, yes. <laughs> the swipe is where to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty solid. I can attest to that in my own life. I gave my mother-in-law uh, a Pilot Metropolitan, mm-hmm. which is also great. I, I could easily argue yeah, for that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I could easily argue swipe. a bunch of different ones. The swipe has more novelties with it it's got different converters that's kind of what i was going for which is cool yeah the metropolitan great starter pen too um but it was exactly what you said my mother-in-law wanted a smoother writing experience because she has like some hand uh, like uh issues and stuff um so writing with rollerballs and and ballpoints and stuff like that was actually hurting her hand Mm. um but she loves writing and so she needed something smoother like a fountain pen but the the maintenance of it and the inking and cleaning and all that it just wasn't something that that wasn't what was driving her to want to use it. So to her, that just seemed like extra steps, Yeah, which is exactly what you're saying. So I think for us who are like, we kind of like to just get in there and learn stuff and they like that ritual of it. Great. All the, all the accoutrement that goes with the fountain pen is, is exciting and wonderful. And we love complicating our lives like that. Um, that wasn't the case with my mother-in-law. So <laughs> once, you know, I actually kind of took a step back with her from the metropolitan. Yes. I was like, you know what? Maybe you'd like a varsity. Yes. And she loves it. Yes. And she's been writing with it for like five years ever since. That's we just amazing. Give her seven not, packs of varsity. Oh, okay, okay. Not the same yeah. varsity. No, no, no. Okay. She's go. She goes through them. Nice. But she just, you know, she gets the smoothness of the nib, the flow. There of you it. go. You know, she doesn't have to worry about if she loses it because they're pretty inexpensive. You know, she gets all the all the benefits of it with almost none of the drawbacks. Yes. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, proponent, big proponent of the, the varsity. So. Agreed. Yeah, very cool. All right. Question five. Okay. It's from Sonia. Mm. And Sonia asks, what is, in your opinion, mm. the ugliest mm. fountain pen that performs so amazingly mm. that people should overlook, so to speak, its hideousness? Oh, man. 
I had such a hard time answering this question. You did a great job based on your notes yeah? here. You actually... Okay. I put a lot of thought into this. Well, yeah, you actually got some... I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. It seems definitive. We'll see what you say, but so far, so good. I don't know. It was a very much of a work in process. You're not. These aren't your kids, Brian. You can call them ugly. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's fine. No, I, honestly, I was surprised at how hard of a time I had finding pens that I really thought were ugly. I mean, I have my own preferences and stuff like that, but I was... You it know, says, in your like, opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. I'm not trying to like skirt out of the, okay. the thing. But I was like, I was really trying to think of like, what pens do I like truly find just repulsive? It's not that many pens. Mm. I think because this, as I've used more and more pens over the years, I've just expanded my own palette, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can appreciate pens for what they are, even if it's not like naturally my inclination. But I don't have like as much of a visceral reaction of like, oh, why would anybody want this? I, I come across that so rarely these days because I'm like, oh, that's... That's interesting. I don't love that color or whatever, but like that's, you know, that's cool. It's an interesting, I don't know. I find other aspects of the pen interesting, even if I don't, I'm not immediately like, yeah, you, by you the don't condemn near enough things. I probably should. Yeah. But, I you mean, need to work on that. That's why I like, that's why I'm, I'm so <laughs> excitable about every pen we talk about because I like, I can always find the good. Yeah. That's true. I can always find the good. So, you know, I wouldn't make a very good like shock jock type of, uh, yeah. you know, character because I just, I, I don't, I don't hate any pen that much. Um, so I don't have a perfect answer for this, but I, I went through every model of pen that we have on our site. I literally clicked through every. Goodness. I went to the shop all fountain pens. All right. Started with bestsellers. It was 20. Oh, just hit my mic. It was 25 pages okay. on our site that I went through. I didn't click through on every color. So there might be like a color of a certain right, pen right, right, that I'm right. like, oh, I don't like that color. I tend not to like pale pinks or like pea greens and mustard yellows. You know, I tend not to like those as much um, just personally, but none of them I find are like repulsive. So, I mean, there's probably colors of pens that I could argue across a lot of different models where I'm like, oh, well, I mean, you could just as easily not get that color. There's other color options. So I tried to, I tried to limit my answers to ones where pretty much you have no choice but to get one that you you know might be ugly or might be considered ugly so it's either like the model the design itself that's ugly or it's only available in colors that are pretty hideous okay you still haven't named one pen yet i'm getting there i'm getting there okay setting the stage all right setting the stage okay um so i i put the pilot parallel it was kind of the one that came that to mind. That was the first thing that came to my mind, too. Really? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, there are, other, there are pens it's, that are uglier, but this is which ones are ugly and perform really well. Yeah. Because there are some pens that I think are ugly. I'm like, I don't. I also don't like the way they perform. That's true. Probably the that's parallel. Probably, I probably would have had an easier time just being ones like, like I don't think this is that great of a looking pen, and I yeah. would not advocate for right. it. Unless the parallel is a good one, it. though. The parallel is definitely a good the parallel, one. parallel, yeah. And it's it's fine. I'm not, like, vehemently opposed to it. But for one, I'm not a big fan of calligraphy-shaped pens. I don't. I, I don't understand no. why the they need to be so long. I, I like the Lamy Joy falls into this category as well. The Platinum Desk Pen. Like I get the aesthetic of what they're going for. It's more like the nib holder, like the pen holder or whatever you want to call it from like the dip pen world. That's the aesthetic they're going for. But to me, it's like it doesn't have to be but that. But how does that help? It doesn't. Like with the yeah, I don't know. May, and it's not it's not even like it's a heavy pen where the it would it would do something with the balance or anything like the 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 pilot parallel is such a light pen yeah having this big long weird back end to it doesn't do anything for you it's just visually it's a longer more awkward pen like it's hard like that's a pen that if I put it in my pocket it is kind of awkward not a pocket pen like it's it's too long not a pocket it's too pen long. you can't you can't put the 
cap Why on the back of it. Why would you need to? And also, like, they, they changed the colors recently, and they didn't really make it any better. I, yeah, and I'm trying to – so they used to have a gray body to yeah. them, and now, now they're white. white. For one, I don't, I'm not – personally, I'm not a huge fan of white-bodied pens myself anyway, mainly because they just – they look dirty pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not necessarily opposed to white, but it's just white plastic – is going to look, especially when ink is involved. Yeah. You get ink on your Same fingers. reason I'm not going to buy white pants. Yeah. They're going to I mean, look bad real quick. Yeah. White three-quarter sleeve blazers, you know? It's like they had their day, but nobody's wearing them anymore. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. My dad, side side note, my dad wore, this was in the 80s as I was a young child, uh, my dad wore white pants a lot, and he always uh, would drive me to like preschool or whatever, Always had just an open coffee mug. You see where this is going. If you've watched my videos, you know I gesticulate a lot when I talk. Probably on a weekly basis, I would knock into my dad's open coffee mug and spill it on his white pants. Now, I was four or five, something like this. And my parents tell this story like, it's funny because, you know, haha, I'm a kid, whatever. But I'm thinking to myself, like, if you have a young child and this is happening to you on like a weekly basis... (laughs) Is this the child's fault or is this your fault as the parent? Like you're blaming your dad for wearing. There's so white many pants. solutions to this. Put it, put the mug in your other hand. Like put it in your left hand and not what your sort right of, hand. What sort of a was it a travel mug or no? Like mug? a straight up ceramic coffee mug. Oh, just a dude, I've, coffee mug. I've tried to drive with those before. It's a mistake. Oh, it's a it's a terrible idea. Oh, absolutely. But my dad never sought any See, other solution. I was. A I love fan. my dad, but he's like, dad, I was a, come on, you could have you could have come up with some other solution <laughs> other than just. Having me do that over and over again. <laughs> you're blaming, you know? You're victim blaming. Yeah. You're, you're dead. You're poor dad. I don't, I, don't feel, I don't feel guilty for it at all. It's like, for one, my mom gesticulates a ton. And it's like, I've inherited that from her. So you're talking in the car being like, I'm wow, a young dad. kid. And I'm just like, and I'm kind of fidgety too. So I'm like playing with the radio oh, knobs man. and I'm talking and my hands are everywhere. That's funny. And knocking into my dad's Do you remember those mug. 80s travel mugs that were standard ceramic mugs, mm-hmm. but they started really narrow and then, and then flared out? Yeah. Yes. That was yeah. like that was like the solution to the travel mug because you had this massive reservoir in the bottom and it could splash around all it wanted to, but it's got a more narrow opening. So Is that meant as a travel mug? Yeah. I thought it meant as like a mug you couldn't tip over. Like, Both. Like that kind Both, of thing. Both, yeah. But then you couldn't fit in like a cup holder or anything. I, I don't think I don't cup know. holders were very were as common back then. Yeah, I guess they weren't. Yeah. We had some pretty crappy cars <laughs> <was> growing up <laughs> the, too. I like, love the 80s. That is not one of the things that I would bring back no, is the 80s cars. No, no. It's and my parents had cars. They had used cars too. So it was yeah. like 70s cars. Yeah. That we were driving <laughs> in the 80s. Like the radio knobs had fallen off. The ceiling stuff was like Oh, yeah. The saggy down. ceilings. We had oh, to take yeah. like bent baseball cards and stick them up to keep the like Oh, I've seen, I've seen staples, not bent baseball cards. Cards. Yeah, we didn't oh, staples. Yeah, nice. no, we would just have like this big like poof of like oh, yeah. stuff hanging down and everything and everything dry in. rotted too. Oh like, yeah, whatever absolutely. foam was in eighties cars just oh yeah turned to dust. Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, the armrests on like my side of the car because my sister got her choice because I have an older sister, <laughs> so I got the leftovers. Uh, my armrest fell off yeah. of the door at some point, so we just went like two years and I just had no armrests oh. on like either side in the back. So I'm just like. <laughs> Arms are just hanging down all the time as a kid. It's like I was in the middle seat, but I was on the right side, you know? Oh, that's funny. Just the memories you have. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Absolutely. what yeah, were, we're we talking, talking about? Are we doing a pen cast? Ugly pens. Ugly, ugly pens. pens. Parallel. Boy, we we really took a left turn. Yeah, par- parallel is ugly, but right well. <laughs> What's your next one? Um, yes. But let me, the, the parallel is one of my favorite writing pens. For it's sure. It's so unique. 
Like no other pen writes like a parallel. No. It's just so great. Great value too. Great price point but for what you get. Boy, do I wish that everything else about that pen was different. That it's, I it's, like the clear I like the clear grip. I like how you can see the ink yeah. flowing down into it. That I, I like about I it. I will say it's probably one of the most popular hacked pens oh, for yeah. that reason. Oh yeah. Because it's so unruly. Oh yeah. And people do take the grip section or just the nib and shove it onto uh, other pens. Oh yeah. So I feel like BK's done that, right? Like, hasn't he taken a... I think I might have hacked that. I might have... I yeah. think you can take a... a com, um, an Opus 88 is the most common one. I think Opus you, 88, I interesting. Think, I think you can cram one right oh, into yeah, an Opus you get 88. a big incapacity on that sucker, mm-hmm. too. I want to say I've taken a... Um, uh, I want to say I've taken it and put it on a Metropolitan body before. That would be cool. I think you can do that. It doesn't... The threading is... Literally anything would be better. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, so love that pen, <clears throat> except for everything about it, the way it looks. Um... Another one I had was the, we just talked about how much we love the Pilot Varsity. Oh. The design of the Varsity yeah. to me is like, it leaves a little bit to be desired. The, yeah. the new ones are better than the old ones. Uh, the old one, especially the clip, was just like, it just looked very cheap. It looked like cheap plastic. The design was outdated. It's better with its new design. Is, is, is it now like kind of mimicking the Pilot clip with the little ball on the end? It had the ball on the old one, oh. but it just, just... It doesn't have a ball on the new one? It was it was a ball, but it was like the sides of the ball were kind of cut off, and it had like a dimple in there. But it was like oh. it was very sharp edges. Oh, okay. So I it have just the, it I have looked just then. very manufactured. Oh, it looked very like stamped and cut out oh, kind of a thing. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean they got a they got it's an economical pen, so you know they're gonna have to cut corners or somewhere. But I look at like the the fit and finish of something like a preppy, which is also a very inexpensive pen. Mm-hmm. That it just feels like a totally different pen. Yeah. You know, the the varsity, you know, it it feels like a disposable pen. And it's not like a bad thing. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah. But, you know, it's not one of my absolute favorites, but I like easily get over that because of the performance of it. I almost wish it was just kind of plain black, like with less design, like those weird diamond patterns all over everything. I don't think it needs that. Yeah, I don't yeah. Yeah, I'm kinda of with you. It could be plainer. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that would be worse. I don't know. Good question. But um, another one I had, I, I struggled with this one. I, I had the Jinhao Dragon pen. This one I struggled a little bit because it's like, to me, the the ugliness of the pen is the appealing part. It's like the over-the-top design But does it perform so amazingly that people should overlook its hideousness? It performs amazingly at... Being it's a Jinhao? It's design. Like, the design is the part that is so to So you're not talking so about writing amazing. performance. I mean, it's okay, but the, it's the same nib and feet as on every other Jinhao. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can easily get that. Like, it's an easily avoidable problem. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I didn't I didn't fit cleanly into this okay. classification. So Brian, Brian is saying, give the give the dragon pen a chance, slap a Jinhao, uh, slap a Yobo nib the, on there and... Go to town. So it's like the the Jinhao pen. It's it, the dragon is so over the top. It is, but there's nothing else like it. It's like it's like a car accident that you just have to watch. You just like you can't take your eyes off it. You're like this pen is like so bizarre and so over the top that I kind of love it for that reason. So it's kind of like initially it was like whoa, what is this thing? And then you're like actually I kind of dig it. It's kind of like a like a <laughs> like a seventies kung fu movie, you know? It's like yeah, or like a it, like it, a pair of golf pants or like the <laughs> whoa, you remember like whoa. the. the like the um, what? Who was it? The uh, curling team. I want to say it was like Denmark or something like that. That had like really crazy pants 
this wasn't the last Olympics, but the previous Winter Olympics, it was a big thing. Somebody in the comments will know what I'm talking about. I've seen, I've seen what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, like the crazy pants obnoxious. for the Olympic curlers. At first, you're like, wow, that is really ugly. But then you're like, actually, that's kind of cool, you know, because it kind of stands out and it's unique and you kind of own it. I'm always like, surprised by how, how you work in curling to conversations <laughs> i don't know if i've ever met someone well, who I've, mentions curling as much as you. i have canadian heritage so <laughs> it's you just know, in maybe there it's just You've in just there somewhere curling in your soul <laughs> i don't know that curling was like around when my family was in canada like in the 19 1910s i think you might have missed out. your calling i might have maybe i would be, <laughs> be, an, ama- maybe I'd be an amazing curler i don't know i don't know i don't know i watched them doing it <laughs> You know what? You know why I. <laughs> this is another. This is like tangent central. I here. know. I'm sorry. So when Joseph was born, he was born uh, in 2010, right as the Winter Olympics were starting. So Rachel and I were at home, new baby. We were working our business, but you know we were up all kinds of crazy hours and stuff. And so we watched more Olympics than we've ever watched before because we mm. didn't have cable. We didn't have all this stuff. So we just watched a ton of Winter Olympics. And I, you know, curling is on at all these obscure times. And you fell in love with it. It'd be like three o'clock in the morning doing a feeding or something. And I'd be watching curling and I'd be like, oh, that's, that's why they're doing the, you know, and you like watch and do the whole thing. And then I researched online and I was like, oh, it's actually kind of interesting how this Mm -hmm. game works. So like ever since then, it's like, I've just understood curling a little bit more. Anyway, side, side tangent. Um, Yeah. Also curlers are, uh, they're not professionally paid. So they all have like full-time jobs. So, I mean, literally, like, you watch curling. and the, you have so many curling facts? You watch curling. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like one of the things that I learned. Like, you know, you watch, you watch the curlers are there. And it's like, you know, anybody else who's, like, skiing and all this kind of stuff. They're, like, they're like legit professional, you know, pe- you know, whatever people. But curlers, they're not, they're not curling 40 hours a week. They're, like, IT professionals and doing, like, whatever, working their regular jobs. And then they're, like, putting in their PTO so they can go to the Olympics. So you see people, like. As they're like curling and they're not like actually competing, they're like on their laptops, like answering emails and, you and I'm respect like, that. I appreciate the hustle. Yeah, like no, I appreciate that, that side hustle. Anyway, this is funny. Maybe it's because it's like I don't know. What, what's your spare hobby? Oh, domain. I'm an Olympian in my I'm spare Olymp- time. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? Like, hey, boss, can I get an extra you know time off because I'm I have to go to the compete at a part-time, global part-time a gold global medalist stage. in yeah. curling. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's it. Um, what else did I have? Uh, another one, you know, this one was less extreme, the Diplomat Magnum. That one, it's like, it's not as ugliest, but there's definitely components about that pen that some people don't love. Some people think it feels cheapy. It does. It can. It can. And it it's can. super lightweight. It's super anybody light. who, That's mostly what it is. Anybody who equates heft with value, they're probably going to hold that pen and be like, no, no thanks. Yeah. Which that's a big thing in the US yeah, is yeah. like the heavier it is, the more quality it generally it tends to feel which is why the Jinhao dragon feels so great because it's just just but, such great dollar per gram ratio but i do um, agree with you that that should be overlooked yes with the magnet should be overlooked because the the quality of how it writes yeah. is so much better than you would think by you know and it's like i don't love the clip and the cap you no. know and all like there's components to the magnum that i'm not as crazy about but, you know, the pen overall, I think, is is pleasant. It's fine. But the writing experience you know, yeah. is, is and it's better. The, the design of the pen feels appropriate for the price of the pen as well. Yeah. 
you know, so, but the writing of the pen, I think surpasses where you would expect it to be based on how it looks in the price. I agree. So, yeah, I agree. Um, and that's kind of what I came up with. Yeah. Well, I, well, I definitely agreed with the parallel. That was the first thing I thought of. Okay, okay. Um, a lot of people dislike the look of both the Lamy Safari and the Lamy 2000. I don't have a problem with either of those, but I do think that if you do feel the Safari, I get, I yeah, get. if you do feel like the Safari is ugly with the giant paperclip cap and the <laughs> 2000 is ugly, then you might still I, want to give them a shot because they're great pens. I disagree about the 2000. I, I do. I don't well. think that that pen is ugly. I don't think so either. But it's been around for over 50 years, people, 50 years, and it's barely changed at all. And it's still going it strong. It still looks it is futuristic. One of the most beloved pens on the market. I think you just got to respect that. Yeah. Got to respect that. Um, uh, the Sailor High Ace Neo is very plain looking, very average. Yeah. Uh, and like the parallel, I just think that you should give it a chance because it does have yeah. a very unique writing experience. It does very perform, reliable. It does perform way better than you It expect. works better than it looks for sure. It's so light. Um, it's so light. I think it's one of the lightest pens that we have. There's not a lot to it for sure. I think it's like <clears throat> nine grams or something like that. It's crazy light. Yeah. Parallel is really light too. I, um, those those two are are often like kind of head to head. As far as the, the the only one I think other than the parallel that is absolutely ugly is the Twisby Go. I okay, I think that's I an ugly that. pen, but I would say I've used it. I have one. It's fun. Uh, I don't like the fact you can't fill it from a sample, but mm. if you have a bottle, it feels great. It writes well. It's reliable. It's resilient. It's everything that you would Super want. Durable. Yeah, yeah. It, it's everything you would want out of a Twisby. You can string it up on a lanyard and wear it on a, a necklace. Necklace, absolutely. It's I like. A huge I like plus. to wear. I like to wear like about. It takes about a hundred and thirty <laughs> of them to wear as a uh, Elizabethan collar. Ooh, I like is that. What I do in I my like spare that. time, or alone. a bandolier, maybe. Yeah, some kind yeah. of something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, so versatility is mm. a benefit as well. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. finally, I just wanted to say Benu. I have spoken to many people <laughs> who their first impression of Benu was negative because the pens just look far too ostentatious for their taste. They're yeah. like, I would never in a thousand years buy one. And then one came along mm. and they're like, oh, oh my, okay, well. And then they took a chance. They got it. They loved it. They write really well. Mm. And you might see one that speaks to you. And if you do, go ahead and just, just, just follow your heart. Follow your heart to Benu is what I what I have yeah. to say. I will say they've come out with some more um, subdued. Maybe not subdued because I mean I no guess nothing about relatively sub, nothing nothing about Benu is subdued. Yeah, they've come up with some designs that I think are more like the the, the Euphoria and the Talisman. I think they're, that their their more body styles have been better styles. as well. Yeah, yeah, like the Briolette. I mean, that's a you know it's like jewel shaped and very heavily tapered and all that. Yeah. That alone is, you know, the actual material itself aside, just the shape of that pen is really mm. unique and kind of obscure. Yeah. But having a more traditional one with a full-size nib and all that, like a talisman, for example, mm-hmm. those have proved to be more popular. Yep. Um, so to Benu's credit, they've been, you know, they went really extreme on the designs of the pens to really stand out. And they were a little bit fringe. And I think they've become more, I'm not going to say mainstream, but they've become more respected and more kind of conventional. Well, I think that a lot of still that, maintaining their their essence. Indeed, yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're actually getting in people's hands, and oh, yeah. when they get in people's hands, they realize that this is a good pen. Mm-hmm. Like it's an objectively good fountain pen, and it's not just a wild looking fountain pen. Yeah. It, like in application, it works. So yeah, and, uh, they've, res- and they've responded to the community as well. Mm-hmm. They've they've adapted and, and made things that people are asking for, and we've given them feedback. They've responded. They're they've been they've been great to work with for so. sure. Yeah, so very yeah, cool. Don't sleep on Banu. 
Definitely don't. All right, that's all we got for Q&A this week. Uh, now, Drew has done some prep for you to talk about San Francisco. So if you'd like to listen to him and less of me, now is the time. All right, Brian. Mm. I went to San Francisco. So I heard. They had a pen show there. They did. And I went to that. Did you get some Ghirardelli chocolate? Uh, no. Is there one? And have some rice aroni? Oh, that's a San Francisco thing. The San mm-hmm. Francisco tree. That's no. right. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't really see a lot of San Francisco. I went to yeah. I went to uh, San Jose for dinner one night, but I didn't okay. see anything iconically San Francisco, except for a, gotcha. a tower of some kind. A tower It was like some, some cell kind. phone tower that is... Uh, unique or special yeah Yeah, i saw it on a pack of rickshaw stickers so i know it's a thing okay it's a it's a funky looking tower okay oh and then the uh the salesforce tower that thing's gigantic you can't miss that oh that's enormous not seen that um yep that's a thing so anyway um what i did i didn't get as much footage as i would have liked to have but i did take my phone and walk through the show and get some shots of some things i missed some things that i wish i would have gotten but I can at least hit some of the uh, the uh, the things that I have seen that I was able to get footage of. So um, we can just recap that real quick and then mm-hmm. uh, talk additionally after that. So um, there was a, an, an entryway room that was kind of like you just had to pass through. Actually, two of them. So there was like a little entryway room, another kind of middle room, and then like the main ballroom is what I recorded. So gotcha. walked mm-hmm. into the main ballroom, and right to your right was the Coles of London booth, so you had Visconti, St. Dupont, etc., 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 not etc. Um, and John Lane, the mm-hmm. big homie John Lane, was there, yeah, doing his thing. He had some uh, crazy St. Dupont uh, pen that was like a skull with a top hat and glow in the dark eyes. Oh yeah. Um, so that was there, but it was always nice to see. John Lane himself. Oh, yes. Um, He's been on these videos a few times. He has. He loves it when people go up to him at shows and ask him about being on our videos. Absolutely. He loves it. He definitely loves to text me after people recognize him and they're like, are you are you Brian Goulet's friend? He texts you very <laughs> kind words too, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Franklin Kristoff, of course, was there. They had their you know long line of tables. Mm. Um, my pal Kimberly was there behind the table. Always a delight to see her. <laughs> um, near the Franklin Kristoff table was Jonathan Brooks um, with his wide yeah. array of acrylics. Uh, nice. He has a ton of beautiful handmade resins um, and mm. pens that he also manufactures. Yeah. But you probably see some of them seen some of his resins before he's mm-hmm. like the champ of resins and then inky converters aka angela aka inky converters aka angela <laughs> uh who does some of our sticker designs yeah. like the corgi and the hamster and some ink bottles she was there so i got to meet her in person that nice. was delightful That's awesome. um i did buy a couple of stickers i wanted to buy everything because everything she had is just freaking adorable but yeah um yeah that was really delightful seeing her for the first time uh, Karis Customs had a presence there as well. Oh, I haven't seen nice. their pens in quite yeah, a while. Yeah, they've been kind of quiet for a bit. Yeah, and I didn't really have a chance to swing by, but okay. they were there, and I was like, oh, meant to go by, and I didn't. But Did they have um, fountain pens up there? I, mean, I didn't even notice. Okay. I didn't even right. notice. Right. I, I know they kind of like reel back on a yeah. little bit, and you know, who knows? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But Tachi was right next to them, so okay. I, got to, I got to talk to Shujen. Nice. She was there. Um, and obviously, they have a bunch of crazy uh, Irushi, Chinkin, Makie. Yeah. They're really leaning heavy into that. And oh my yeah. gosh, I think I saw some new stuff there that I think we're going to be getting. So 
super excited about that. Yes. Please and thank you. Yes. And Canalea Pen Company was there. Nice. And it's always really nice to see their table because not only do they have lovely pens, but they do this thing. They do this sand and shell display where they pour sand all along their uh, nice. the rim of their pens and put some seashells on it. Like they're just it's one of the most beautifully yeah. set up and well themed booth that I've ever seen in Fountain. Yeah, they're branding around the whole the whole Hawaii theme. It's, it's on so, point. It is yeah. so fun. They're such delightful people as mm-hmm. well. They're really um, good people. Yeah. So right next to them was Kirk Spear grinding nibs uh, from oh, cool, uh, yeah. from Pen Realm. Um, and then right next to Kirk was the Drum Ghouls booth, and then next to Drum Ghouls was Pilot, and Sean was behind the Pilot mm-hmm. booth. And the the best thing about the Pilot booth, Brian, is the fact mm. that they always have available to write with mm. Namiki emperors and Machie pens. Like you can actually go and touch these $10,000 pens and they're just like, yeah, check it out. And they're not yeah. even trying to sell them. They're just saying, Hey, if you want one, go buy it from here or go buy it from there. It's yeah. just, it's such a great opportunity to really see some of these amazing Namiki art pieces face to face. And yeah. if you ever wanted to actually put your eyes on one, that's a great opportunity to do it. They also had all of the, newly imported custom 912 nibs available to write with the whole line which you did recently right i have written with all of them you recently did that so quite an experience it is quite an experience and they had them all inked up ready to test which is awesome awesome. so their booth really is an experience a real writing experience and i I really dig that i'm really glad they're starting to come to shows i feel like they've done more shows recently oh absolutely used to go no not at all not at all it's been the last uh the last year i think that um Mm. maybe two years not this most recent um, Raleigh show, but the previous one. Yeah, um, yeah. This was the first time I saw them. I was like, yeah, whoa, cool. what? Pilot? Very cool. Um, and, of course, next to Pilot was Rickshaw. Hey. So San Francisco is Rickshaw's show. Base, yeah, yeah. They, they heavily sponsor the mm-hmm. event. They give out freebies. They have contests. At the beginning of the show, right when you walked in, there was like – Fortune cookies and inside the fortune cookies was a coupon that you could take to the rickshaw booth and exchange it for like a free sticker or even a free pouch or package. Yeah. So they're really heavily invested in the San Francisco pen show. I want to say the fortune cookie was originating from San Francisco. I think I I could be wrong about that. I know it was made from a local, it was made locally. Uh, All the cookies were made by local business. I want to say they originated in San Francisco. I I may want to double check myself. It might be. Uh, Mark Dwight's very, very in tune with that whole thing. Mr. Um, Mr. Shaw. Mr. Shaw himself. Mr. Rick Shaw. <laughs> um, Marty uh, and Kim were behind the table this year. And Marty is a huge, huge Retro 51 collector and reseller. Like okay. that dude is a retro Wikipedia. Um, and then uh, Ryan and Carrie were over there behind Ken Rose booth. And obviously representing Estherbrook, Montegrappa, and Aurora. They did have a Montegrappa Batman pen available there as well okay that's always interesting to see for sure um and then kind of across the way from them was jc aka the nib tailor and he was grinding nibs and consistently heckling me for how loud i always am because uh like literally he sent me a dm as i'm over there by franklin christoph which is not even in the same room as him saying that (laughs) he can hear me while he's at his grinder which i mean yeah i'm sorry but your voice carries. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I thought I heard you. And I'm like, oh, no. You, you do have a distinctive voice. I'm loud. 
Well, I think too, because I don't mean to be. Well, and this probably happens from things like this pencast. When people listen to your voice, they're much more likely to pick up on it because it's a familiar sounding voice in a room full of voices you may not recognize. Otherwise. Yeah, but JC had never listened to the pencast. Oh, okay. I'm just well, loud. Yeah, I was <laughs> just loud true. for him. Um, but thank you, Brian. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then um, Ian from Shown Design was across from that way and he had a really good spot he had this natural light coming in all the pens look so good because he's got those mm. faceted pens oh, yeah. and oh my god everything looks so good and <laughs> it's always really really awesome talking to ian he's such mm. a nice guy yeah so fun to chat with um and then right in front of ian was the travelers uh notebook company so travelers had a bunch of tables all set up with a company known as plotter which is a planner a very very in-depth really interesting planner system which i know nothing about despite trying to know something about it Mm. um all i can it's impressive but it breaks my brain at the same time um maybe one day but uh that was always a fascinating little stop my buddy april from um the stationary cafe podcast was behind the booth being a champ and then over behind jc there was kind of like a nib grinder room Uh, not Mm. officially but you had matthew chen um Right there, um, grinding nibs, and then next to him was Mike Masuyama grinding nibs, mm, and then mm-hmm. next to him was our friend CY grinding nibs. Nice. So you had kind of like a behind that back nib, wall nib row. Yeah, it was like nib row. That's cool, and always um, a delight That's, to talk so great to them. To see. I feel like there's more people doing nib work than there used to be. At shows. Absolutely, it's crazy. It used to be like maybe three people. Yeah, four people at the most. And I don't know about this one, but when CY was on the show, he said that at DC they had. 10, I think. That's amazing. Crazy. I mean, that's that's awesome. Absolutely crazy. And then next to CY was uh, Heinz Pens Company. And I spoke to them, and he actually told me that they did all of the colored nibs for the Esterbrook um, uh, Northern Lights. Oh, cool. They're the only people doing colored nibs. Huh. So any colored nibs comes from them. They nice. even had a brown nib. A brilliant brown. I mean, it was really brilliant, yeah. You got to see it in person? I did. Oh, man. Is it good? I was tempted. Yeah? I was tempted, yes. Oh, why didn't you pick that up, Drew? I don't know. Mm, I did okay. have a company card. Okay. Yeah, well. Um, but, yeah, it was a delightful, <laughs> delightful trip. I, I wish I could have recorded more. Um, there was more. Um, uh, Maruman uh, Nemasani had yeah. a table there. You had the pleasure of writing with the okay. table up front. Um, David Oscarson was there up front. A uh, bunch of, bunch of. I mean, I'm missing more people than I would oh, care yeah, to. Oh, yeah, for but, sure, but. It was it was Very epic. Solid show. Yeah. It was epic. It really was. And then on Saturday, um, myself, uh, Cy from Tokyo mm. Station Pens and Tokyo Inklings podcast, and then April and Kelly from the Stationery Cafe podcast, and then Brad Dowdy from the Pen Attic podcast, all got together mm-hmm. and did like a Q and A sort of um, panel thing. Nice. And uh, that was just a, a barrel of monkeys. That yes. was just delightful. Really fun. Yes. So overall, just. Just an uh, amazing experience. I got to see so many friends that I had never actually met in person before. Yeah. I, I, I I wish I could name them all, but you know who you are. You're amazing. Hopefully, hopefully I get to see you next year. Did you get more people coming up to you recognizing you? Because like I've experienced that where people, yeah. I know people's handles, 
but I don't necessarily see them a lot in their content. Yeah. So like seeing them in person, I might not recognize them, but it's, they come up to me and be like, oh, I'm so-and-so. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 there, yeah. There, there was a good amount of that. But then there yeah. was also a good amount of like, I knew who was going to be there and I oh, okay. knew yeah, I was going to yeah. see them and finally be like, ah, like seeing them from a distance. Nice. So yeah. it was it was a much, it was a mutual thing too. Awesome. But I love I love it when people recognize me because that means I don't have to, it's like half it's the work's already end. done. Yeah. yeah. It's like, great. Yeah. Your your conundrum because people don't realize you're as introverted as you are. Yeah, because you're very especially in this type of environment, you're more extroverted because this yeah. is more your element. But, well, it's like you if you're at a party and you need to make small talk, you mm-hmm. need to introduce yourself. Like, who, who, so how do you know the people who are hosting? Oh yeah, this is like okay. What's your name again? Okay, well, what do you? Uh, so what do you do? You, you have to find common what ground. Do you do? Yeah, what's and your you role? might not find any. Yeah. And then what do you do? You have to disengage and be like, all right, well. um, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go leave this conversation I to, I, now. Like, so you had to make some excuse to get oh away. Oh, my God. And it's just like, oh. And you don't have to do that at pen shows. <laughs> no. You will always have common ground. Yeah. You will always have something to talk about. Yeah. And there's also tons of stuff to go look at. And it's not disingenuous. Yeah. like, all right, I'm going to go look at this other cool thing. Yeah. Like, it's just so easy. It's so easy. Easy to make, easy to make friends at a pen show. Yeah. No question. Absolutely. No question. To follow up, Drew, the origin of Fortune Cookies. <laughs> So apparently they originated in Japan, in Kyoto. That makes sense. they quickly came over to the U.S. One of the, It's debatable about where it actually like really took off, but it seems that the uh, Japanese tea garden in San Francisco uh-huh. um, is uh, the Golden State Park is known as one of the first U.S. restaurants to serve it. So mm. it's up for debate as to who gets credit for popularizing it. They also invented orange slices. No one had sliced oranges before then. What? Mm-hmm. Sounds made up. It might be. Uh, I also got to visit Rickshaw Bag Works. Hey. The actual facility itself. Right. I got to see the bags being worked. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, I believe I have enough footage to provide y'all with a factory tour slash interview slash overall Rickshaw-tastic That's right. experience. So keep your eye on the tiger for that one. That's right. That's exciting. Yes, it was an exciting time. Fun trip. I haven't even seen that. I have no idea what that looks like. It was good. It was a delightful trip. Uh, Mark Dwight is a great dude, and just it was a really awesome way to cap off a really awesome trip. Does he have a um, uh, uh, a case liner vault like Scrooge McDuck that you can just dive into, just like this pile of felt? Because that's what I'm imagining. I wish he did. No, they were all in rolls. Uh, However, I did ask him if he had his um, royal plush jacket. And apparently he had already taken all of his stuff out of his room and put it in his car. And he said, oh my gosh, no, I forgot it in my room. So he had to go up and get it. Um, <laughs> but I did get a picture of him with his jacket on with um, uh, Brad Dowdy and myself. So we have That's that fantastic. immortalized. Uh, but he did have the jacket. So he has a jacket made of the lining of the rickshaw cases. And yeah, it was- I've seen him in that jacket. Really hard not to hug him. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, you know, I just kind of- <laughs> He, uh, I, I very I feel like he politely made, petted him. I feel like he made that right before the show that I went to. Was it three years ago or so? Um, the San Francisco show. He wore it at the Penn show, and I remember t- he I got to meet him in person. He was like, "I'm so hot in this jacket." He's like, "It's so hot in this thing." I was like, "Yes, it it's like lined. It's like professionally lined. Too. Oh, it looks like, legit. Yeah, it's yeah. legit. You can wear the heck out of that jacket. It's nice. I don't think I would need that jacket. I would. Uh, you could wear it for about nine seconds. Yeah. Then I'd be taken out a little Then you'd bit be very fussy. I would get, I would get fussy. <laughs> Indeed. That's exactly how I get. 
Very cool. Yes, awesome. it was oh, delightful. Man. That's awesome. That's a good show. That's such a and it's so close to DC. You think like, oh man, is it really worth it to go to both? But it's such a different show. Completely different. Yeah, yeah. they call it the fun show. It's it's very diverse. Um, a little younger in demographics than DC, I'd say. Yeah. Um, just f- feels more vibrant, a mm. little bit more energetic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Very cool. Um, yeah, that's great. Sorry to have missed it, but you know, it's always next year. You were missed. I got I got asked where you were. Is Brian here? I was like, no, no, he's probably chopping down a tree. He has he has he has something. He has PTSD. Last time he was on the plane with me, I don't think he wants to relive that. No, you're fine. You're a good travel. No, no, I, but you you were really miserable the last time when we flew to Italy. Like, oh well, that was a I know. that wasn't you. That was oh just, I know I know. That was a red eye flight over seas that i didn't i tried to get sleep on but didn't no not I a normally wink. sleep so easy i don't know why i couldn't fall asleep I know. you were That's like so terrible barely alive that whole next day was a walking zombie it was super sad but i ate a lot of gelato <laughs> you did get some gelato and drank a lot of lattes <laughs> which they did not printed not appreciate no they're like no they appreciate my overly american diet no. that i had Lots of pizza and gelato. I want a large vessel coffee. of coffee, please. They're like, yeah. uh, I have a latte. no, it's you will get six o'clock at night. You will get one of these. And I want a latte. They're like, I'll go fire up the machine. Right. Because we cleaned it out because nobody in Italy drinks lattes after like two o'clock. What a It's like a mook. huge faux pas. But I didn't even care. I was like, you're not going to remember me. I'm like, I want my latte. <laughs> you're not going to remember <laughs> me. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, I was, nice. Right. I was nice about it. But anyway. All right, so that's very cool. Glad to hear they had such a good time with the show. Uh, now let's talk about what's happening. Well, I went to the San Francisco pension. No, I'm just, um, <laughs> no. After that, um, you know, obviously came back to work, mm. did some work. Mm-hmm. I was super tired, but mm-hmm. it's all good. Um, did get a little bit of chance to have a nice and uh, have some relaxation this past weekend. It was a long weekend, so hooray that's for right. that Labor Day. Yep. I did enjoy yep. that. Um, my mom's birthday I missed while I was in San Francisco. So, uh, we kind of postponed celebrations until this past weekend. So we took her to Firebirds and got some, got some steaks and some potatoes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I did not know, like we, my, my cousin had a birthday event while I was gone and my mom kind of got overlooked because my grandmother's more or less of Mm. the opinion that, well, let's do more celebratory things for the younger generation. Makes sense. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to make sure that my mom orders some dessert at this place. If they don't have a cake, I mm. mean, if they don't have like a candle and fire situation, I'm going to make one. So I found my... <laughs> I'm going to make a fire situation I brought, happen. <laughs> I brought some candles. I was going to stick them in something. Uh, brought my candles. <laughs> found found my found my my Zippo that I never used. I actually found some lighter fluid. I'm like, all right, I'm in okay. business. I'm like... Looking that thing, like, look at me, I got a Zippo. Wow. Uh, I was really surprised I could find it because it was a wedding gift from like 2003 wow. uh, <laughs> with my initials on it that I've like never used. Yeah. Um, but I didn't need it. They brought they brought her out a little 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 treat and gave her the you know card and everything. It was it was delightful. It was me, my nice. brother, um, his wife, my wife, kid. So uh, small thing, but but good. And um, yeah. Didn't have to stick a candle in a steak or a potato or anything. So that was a that <laughs> some was, green that, beans. That was a know. plus. I would have. Uh, there. Have you been to Firebirds before? I have been. Do you know what their bread looks like? Oh, uh, I can't remember. It looks like a, a butt. It does look a butt. That's right. Yeah, so I, I knew exactly that. where I was going to stick a candle. 
Um, but I didn't have to. I didn't have to. They brought out I'm a sure snack. Your mom would appreciate that. Oh, she would have. Yeah, uh, she's used she, to it. She, she raised you. me. Yeah, she knows me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see, yesterday or the day before, I don't recall, but um, we watched the Chippendales Rescue Rangers movie, the new one. <sighs> oh. Have you seen trailers for that? Uh no. So my kids are a little bit out of that age range. At it's this point. um, well, it's not. <sighs> It's only partially for kids. It's mostly, really? I would say it's mostly for our generation hmm. um, who grew up watching the Disney Afternoon cartoons. Okay. So it's like a bit of a throwback kind it's, of a vibe? It's very meta. Okay. Very, very self-aware. Subtle. Yes. 100%. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but Archer enjoyed it. Okay. So he was enjoying it for completely different reasons than I was. Sure. But one of the like main side characters is Ugly <laughs> Sonic. The failed version of Sonic the Hedgehog. Do you remember that? When he had those like eerily human teeth. Oh, yeah. So he's at a Comic Con where Dale is because they're just washed up cartoons that don't have a job. And he's signing autographs as Ugly Sonic and stuff like that. And when he's talking to Dale, Dale like squints and it it zooms in and slows down on his mouth and zooms in on his teeth. (laughs) And he's just like talking (laughs) slow. And Dale just can't help but like, oh, Wow. It's very, yeah, like very meta, very self-aware. Yeah, but yeah. in that, it, it is appealing to a different generation. So sure. it was way better than I thought it would be. Okay. So I enjoyed it. Interesting. Um, I would have to check that out. Yeah. And there was a lot of like Disney Afternoon references, which I appreciate. Nice. Um, and then uh, Labor Day, we went over to some friend's house for a bit of a pool party. And Ooh. Archer kind of learned how to swim. He was like swimming on his own. Yeah, it was it was great because he could touch, but then he could also launch himself into some doggy paddles at the same okay. time. So every other pool he's been into, it's like been t- too shallow to actually mm. paddle in, right. or he couldn't touch. This was a nice in between, and yeah. by the end of the evening, he was just swimming everywhere. Nice. So I now do not have the fear of him just falling into water and sinking to the bottom and dying instantly. Right. He will right. be able to sustain life long enough for me to take my watch off and get him. You know, <laughs> I don't have to jump right in. He'll be okay for a couple seconds at least. So. You don't have a waterproof watch? Not this one. Right in there? I don't think so. No? I don't think this one is. This is what I was wearing yesterday. I but it was like almost a standard these days. I might be. I don't know. But still. I don't know. It might be. I would look at it. Water resistant at least. Yeah. To like three meters. That's all you need. I hope. You're not going diving, you know? WR10BAR. What does that mean? That sounds like a product code. WR could mean water resistance. Oh, WR10. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he figured out how to swim, so hooray for that. And we had some food. I did not swim. Um, Actually made it the whole summer without putting on swim trunks, which is kind of (laughs) weird because we were at pools a lot. I just, it's always like a little too crowded or I wasn't hot enough to go through the whole <laughs> process. All right. So, Brian. You sound like, you sound like Rachel. Rachel's right. like, it has to be like absolutely <sighs> perfect conditions. Okay. It's like the air temperature can't be off too much. The water right. can't be too cold. That's true. That's true. All so, this kind of stuff. you have to get in and getting in is uncomfortable. Getting out is uncomfortable. Swimming is great. I love being in the water and being adjusted to the water. Okay. Getting out is cold. Walking into a house. It's frigid and painful. Oh, stop oh, it. A, and then having to take off your clothes in a cold bathroom and putting on your clothes and like, oh, I'm not all the way dry, so things are sticking to me now. Like, ah. It's not really. Like, swimming rough. is like. Rough. Swimming is fun level seven. And mm. the act of getting in and getting out 
is like unfun level nine. So, <laughs> so you're just, like a net negative. On right. The whole exactly. Yes. Hmm. Anyway, didn't swim, but uh, wow. fun fun was had. Something really fun to hang out with in the your spare I'm time. I'm just fine. I don't complain. <laughs> I just, you know. You just opt out. I like to talk in small, small groups. Fair small, enough. Yes. Fair enough. Someone come find me and talk to me one person at a time. So please. if everybody else is swimming, will you just like sit by the side of the pool and just like talk to people well, in the water? Well, as you know, when you have a child, you don't need to find something to do because you are being asked every 9.3 <laughs> seconds yes. to, hey, look at this. Yes. Hey, dad, check this out. Like, yep, hey, look, you, I'm going to do, do this jump. Yes. Okay. So. All right. I just did that. I just okay. looked. At yep. everything he did <laughs> by request. Yeah, I am mm-hmm. familiar with this. Yes. Yeah. So there's always something to do when mm-hmm. there's a kid. I'm familiar with this. I've done this myself a little bit. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Times two. Yeah, except Joseph still he's he's inherited Rachel's uh tendencies. Don't look at me. No, it's gotta be like <laughs> it's gotta be like perfect conditions. And he oh, doesn't okay. he doesn't want to do a whole bunch of crazy stuff. You know. Archer's still very cautious. But yeah. uh yeah, he's still he's he's still bizarre and strange enough to uh mm-hmm. we we are we often find ourselves saying the same thing about him and the puppy because we have a six-month-old puppy and we're like is he being together well you, you gotta ask yourself is this creature being bad or are they just being a puppy mm-hmm. you know and right. so shannon texted me like oh my god felix on the leash god and she got back she's like you know what he actually wasn't being bad he was just being a puppy yeah and then archer did something later and i looked at her and i was like I think he's just being a puppy. <laughs> nice. Because it's kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, yeah. is this kid being obnoxious or is he just being an eight-year-old? And we, had he, an, we had our own experience like that that I'll share when I get to my turn here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, be my guest. Oh, you just want to hand it off? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm wrapped up. Um, yeah, so our kids are starting school. Um, ours are starting late this year. It's changing next year, but they're, uh, well, starting tomorrow, technically, as of when we're shooting this. So pretty late for most people after Labor Day. Yeah, Archer started last week. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be different next year. But uh, So the kids are going back to school, but they had their open houses last week. So got to Ellie's got to meet her teacher, and then Joseph got to, they get to meet his teacher. They're teachers. both in middle school now, right? No, she's in fifth grade. Oh, okay, okay. So she got to meet her teacher, which is great, because she's had like one of her best friends who's been homeschooled since the pandemic started, who's going back, and they're in the same class. Oh, yay! They're actually like at the same little pod, oh. so they're going to be like, next to each other. Did they know so, that? I don't know. She just got lucky. I don't know. I don't know if they got lucky or if like... That's amazing. Know, we didn't request anything specific. I don't know if the other parents did. That is so cool. Yeah, it's gonna. It's pretty cool. So she's going to have a great fifth amazing. grade year. She's, she's tall, too. Like She's in the 99th percentile for height. Like That girl is tall she got my frame too mm-hmm. she's like thick she's just very strong and she's super proud of it she's like wants to be taller than all the teachers and everything oh, so she's like yeah she like <laughs> i think she's i think her best friend goes up maybe to her armpit like not even to her shoulder she's like more than a head height difference than her best friend oh who's my god 11 days older than her so it's it's pretty funny oh my but, god um, so yeah, she loves that. She's gonna have just a great time in fifth grade. I remember fifth grade just being awesome because you're just like top of the heap at school, and you just like big you, fish in a little pond. Yeah, yeah. Especially like she's the younger one. So like I remember when my sister went, and I was the only, I was the only goulet left in my elementary school. Then it was like I was just me. You know what I mean? Like I might have had a teacher that remembered my sister or whatever. Right. But when my sister and I went to the same school. 
you know, it was always like I was always being compared to her. I think I think I'm gonna add in a picture of us in fifth grade right here, Brian. Oh yeah, that'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. Lots of neon and silver happening. Um, I think that was end. I think that was fourth. Was in, fourth fi- in fifth, we just looked sad. Oh yeah. Fifth, oh, we were just miserable. Had glasses and a bowl cut. <laughs> it was something it was pretty weird looking. <laughs> pretty weird. Um, yeah, no, Ellie's Ellie's in good shape, so she's excited about that. Joseph is really excited. We went to see his um, see his classes and where they all are. Seventh grade, like that. He's in seventh oh grade. My God. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he's taller than Rachel now. Taller than my mom and my sister now as well. Taller than taller your sister? Than yeah. Yeah, my sister's not that tall. She's like five, six, five, seven. That's yeah. That's not short. No, no, he's really tall too. <laughs> yes, he's really tall. Oh my god, he's got Rachel's frame. He's like super, really slender and gracious, like kind of dangly. Um, so yeah, it's just really interesting. I don't know how that is. Kids. Yeah, they're but they're huge. Like Rachel's the smallest one in the family. Oh my now. god, it's really funny, and it's probably never going to change. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. They're excited about that. Um, but we had a moment, kind of what maybe got, got me thinking about that was mm-hmm. we were doing the thing and like, you know, because the kids are at two different schools, their open houses were at the same time. So, but it was like within like an hour or two window. So we had to, at Ellie's school, they had the open house and they're having like a picnic barbecue type thing afterwards. So we like went to her thing first. Then we drove all the way to the middle school, did Joseph's open house thing, and then drove back to Ellie's so that we could do the little barbecue hangout thing. Oh. But Rachel had kind of a headache because allergies are ridiculous oh my God. in Richmond right now. Awful. So by the time we did the the both schools, she was like, I can't. She's like, I don't think I can stand outside and do this whole thing. And I was like, that's cool. I'll just drop you off and I'll take the kids and we'll do the, the barbecue that was thing nice or you. whatever. Yeah. It was cool. And um, while we were coming back from the second school and Rachel had kind of a headache and stuff, the kids were just like all amped up because they were excited about everything. And they're in like that kind of middle schoolish pre-tween, whatever, tween age, where like everything is sarcasm. And it's like the more annoyed you get as a parent, the more they just lay it on thick. Uh. And Rachel was just getting like kind of frustrated. She was like, can you just like stop like just saying all the stupid And I was like, Rachel, no, like they can't. Like this is just... This is just what they are at this age. I know, I know. And I, I told tell the kid, I told the kid because she was just getting like she just had a headache and she was so frustrated. And I was like, kids, you know what? Just it's fine. Your mom just has to kind of deal with this because it's like that's like that's what they are at this age. I like know. everything is a smart response and you know, everything is puns and jokes and sarcasm and all this stuff. And sometimes you're like, I just need a freaking so answer. Exhausting. Like I just need just to like communicate two sentences with you I without know. some like mind game kind of a thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, we were walking up the <laughs> stairs at the at our friend's house where we were having the pool party, and yeah. Archer, for no reason, says like, "Oh my god!" He said the most bizarre thing, like, uh, "Demon breadstick," and I'm like, <laughs> and I didn't respond to him. I just look at Shannon, and I was like, "Why? Why? Why does he do that?" <laughs> and she just said, "I think we probably did too." Oh yeah, and I said okay oh, for sure. Okay, well, let's just we'll yeah. just keep on going. I'm like, oh. yeah, your brain is still like solidifying, you know, at that age. <laughs> like it's still, you know, not all the pieces are put together yet. Like, Dima, what is he thinking of? Like, what happens in know. his brain? I don't know. <sighs> my kids will just like run up to me and like be mid mid thought on whatever is going on in their head. Yeah, about some whatever comic book yes they're in the middle of creating that's an amalgamation of four different franchises yes and they just go all into it and i'm like 
I will very like on a daily basis, I will just stop them in conversation and be like, I have no idea what you're 100% talking about. 100% every like, day. What are you even talking about yes. right now? <laughs> I'm so confused. And, he, and he'll, he'll and be like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and then Thursday, we'll probably only do the first one. I'm like, what on earth are you, talking, are you about? talking about? And he, and he looks at me like, I'm crazy. I'm like, at, at school. I'm like, at school what? <laughs> in like, art. Like, you can't read I'm your like, mind. I don't know. You never said art. Like, you never no, said anything about school. No context. <gasps> and yeah. it just breaks my brain. Keep up, Drew. Keep up. I've only got one, too. Like, I cannot. Yeah. I try to wrap my head around. Yeah, it's worse with two. They feed off each other. How are you not dead? I don't know. I just kind of zone <laughs> it out, honestly. Maybe I'm partially at fault because, like, you know, it's kind of just noise. It's like the Charlie uh, Charlie Brown parents, like, wah, wah, wah. you know. <laughs> and then so then every now and then they like actually engage and demand a response. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? See, here's I my problem. Like, I don't know how to not respond. Like mm. Shannon can do that thing that you're just talking about. I can't. Mm. I'm like 100 percent invested all the time. Yeah, that's so rough. that's why my brain breaks all the time because I'm like yeah. actually trying to comprehend all of it. Because no, my brain is either I'm listening to you 100 percent or I'm listening to <laughs> none of you. I don't have. A yeah. middle ground. Yeah, it's well, like I'm, I'm more in the zero percent category. Sometimes I don't I know think. how to be that way. I don't know either. Oh my god, I'm in and out, in and out. Shannon's just like, just don't worry about. It. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I'm like absorbing all of it, and it's hurting. You see some canned responses, you know, <sighs> just like the oh yeah, I do. I, I do. do a lot of that. Oh yeah. yeah, really? Okay, I can do that texting. If you ever get is a, that right? <laughs> if you ever get a haha yeah from me, that means oh, I'm yeah. not listening. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Half of the responses with me and Rachel texting is she says, okay, or gives me a like thumbs up. Rachel, Rachel is very to the point when she's typing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You got it. If you didn't know her, you might think she's being short, but she's not. She's just being efficient. Yeah, she is. Yeah, absolutely. She's very efficient. (laughs) I'm the opposite. I say way too much in my texts. You know, that's shocking to believe. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and I was trying to think like, what have I been doing the last two weeks? I mean, when you were out, yeah, I was just like covering a lot of different things. And being sad. You, there were other people. I was sad. I was mm, very sad. There you go. It takes a lot out. of, yeah, it takes a lot yeah, out of you to be exactly. so sad. It does. You know, you, you fill my, you fill my tank or you yeah. fill me up. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, no, we went to, let's see here. We went to King's Dominion, which mm. is our local water park theme Ooh, park. Was it starting. hot? It was, it was appropriately hot. Yeah. Uh. It was no, it was, it was a great experience. We had like we had season passes that we got this year. We've gone multiple times. Not so much that we're sick of it, but enough that we're like, yeah, it was worth that's getting the pass. That's what you like, want. We, we threaded that needle. Yes. And last time we went to the water park thing, I forgot water shoes. All that's the right. And it killed. Oh, my you feet. yeah, you mentioned that. It killed my feet. Oh, that's awful. So this time I had water shoes. It was so much better. Nice. So much better. So I just had a great time. You know, we were able to do stuff, and um, we got uh, Dippin' Dots, which is, like, the most exciting thing for it is. my kids. I got Dippin' Dots at the zoo when we yeah. went. And for whatever reason, like, they ran out of, like, the appropriately sized smaller cups. So, like, the cups that they use as smaller ones are, like, bigger than the large cups. So we got, like, massive Dippin' Dots. So it was, like, an, a, an extra bonus. Nice. Because it's way overpriced anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a good time. And then uh, I got to ride Intimidator 305. Oh, God. Which is, like... This oh. very intense roller coaster. Oh, no, thank you. It goes 95 miles an hour, I think. Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. I rode it a decade ago, and I remember just loving it. I almost blacked out. Like, it is. Why would you, those, you, why would you say those things together? I, I, I almost, I, I loved it. I almost blacked out. Like, I that's love, not. Because I don't often get to go through, like, 
experience is like that intense. Oh, I mean? well, like, that's been- intense in like a thrilling way, not intense in like a COVID is hitting and the world is collapsing and the business is getting challenged. And like that's intense, but not in like a fun oh, way. Okay. But like in a thrilling way. Okay. I love airtime too. So like the drop zone where they just like drop you 300 feet. I love that. It's that like is the opposite of that me. That just like pit no, in your stomach free no. falling. Oh God. Yeah. Like I would, Mm-mm. I've never been skydiving, but I think I would love it. I think I would love it because I just love that free feeling. Yeah, free I wouldn't mind. Feeling. I wouldn't mind skydiving if I could pull the parachute immediately. Like that's what I want. <laughs> I would want to go slowly just float down. Yes, that sounds nice. I'm sure that's a thing. And I know it's. I know it's faster than I probably expect too. Probably, yeah. but um, no, I don't. That's the thing. Like I like roller coasters that go up and down and around like a ride. But yeah. I do not like drops. I'm like if I'm like Intimidator, yeah. that ride is super short. It basically exists yeah. just for that one massive drop. No, there's, there's plenty of other stuff. Doesn't it like on. shoot you up and just drop you down? No, 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 no. Oh, wait, what am I thinking of? You're thinking of hypersonic, which is not there anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. no, no. All right, yeah. That, that thing, no. And that thing had like a three hour wait for like a two second ride. No, no, no. This oh, one okay. is a little this bit. This is like longer. an actual roller coaster? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no, misremembering. It's, it's, cool. I've, it's, I've, it's I've a very it. legit roller coaster. Oh, okay. But um, there was like almost nobody at the park. So the kids wanted to do like bumper cars and whatever other kind of stuff. And I was like, hey, Rachel, could I like go do this and like neither of my kids wanted to do it because they're not that into roller coasters and Rachel can't really do them either and I was like all right I'm solo on this one Mm. so I went I got in the very front seat oh my god you madman which was the best Mm. it's the only way I'm gonna ride that ride anymore and I yelled so much I lost my voice for like two days you yelled by yourself by my well I had some stranger next to me (laughs) and we both we both just yelled it was fantastic because like I didn't care I didn't know anybody and it's only like two seats wide so it's like me and some other guy and I was just like, yeah, I haven't ridden this thing in like a decade. Oh and I'm going to do it again. And I did it and it was better than I remembered it. You know, sometimes you're like, is it going to be as good as yeah. I remember being? It was even better. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's pretty awesome. Oh. But I can't do a lot of roller coasters because it just my body doesn't keep up like it used to. But I can get one good one in every mm. visit. So that was a lot of fun. That's not, that sounds awesome. I told yeah. Archer after he learned, I told Archer that after he learned how to swim, we would go to Great Wolf Lodge and to mm-hmm. take him there because he's never been to a water park before. Oh, he would have a blast um, So I think we're going to do that this blast. winter now that I know yeah. that he won't there's not die that, immediately. There's not that much actual swimming there. Yeah, I didn't He'll think so. Fine. But He'll still, I would, I would, I wanted to make sure he would at least know how to... That he's comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. He'll have a blast. Yeah. They got a good lazy river there and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And yeah, going in the middle of winter would be super fun. Oh, yeah. As we, as went, you... we went um, literally as COVID was unfolding. Ooh. We were at an indoor water park. Which in and of itself was pretty freaky. And I feel like disasters that... and you in indoor water parks just kind of go hand in hand. You should probably <laughs> avoid those. Uh, well, it happens, you know. Like we literally got the call. We were in the lazy river when I got the call from our HR director about them shutting down the schools. And uh, we were, like, needed to have a meeting that night uh, like remotely because our house was under construction because we were getting some floors put oh. in. And so that's why we went there. And it was like a whole thing. So now those memories are inextricably tied to that water park and, you know, COVID. Happening. And then before that, you got snowed in there and couldn't leave. That also happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was also fun. Yeah. Good memories. Mm. Good memories of that place. Um, they also have Dippin' Dots there. But anyway. anyway. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, you know, Drew, it's the time of year where, um, whenever I'm working outside, as you know, um, poison ivy, there's always, there's always hazards. Poison ivy is just kind of like an ever present, uh, reality, but no, there are flying stinging things. Oh, yellow jackets. That are known to happen from time to time. And, you know, I haven't seen very many this year and, you know, I know now after researching them for a little bit, you know, kind of how they operate, you know, they, they, they like to hold up and. 
very hard to find places. So mm. you can't really be on the lookout for them. And when you're working in the woods and doing all that, you might just come across them every now and then. And uh, I know that towards the end of summer is when they get most aggressive because they die off every year, you know, and like some of them, like the eggs or whatever, hibernate or whatever. I don't know how they actually function over the winter time, but they're not flying around in the winter. And, uh, you know, so basically they're kind of like all about to die out at the summertime. So they just kind of like go nuts and they'll just attack any, anything that, oh you know, is around. And uh, you got some, some got me, oh, got me at the end of last week. Oh man, I'm yeah. sorry. It's okay. It got me no, like, through my clothing and everything. I had long sleeves on and everything. You it know, just, it's been it a year of, of pen cast <laughs> because we've, we discussed <laughs> this last this. year. Yeah. It's yep. that time. Oh man. Yep. Got me. So oh. got me. Every time I get stung now, it's always right on my wrist, like right on the wrist, like bone. I don't know what it is about this spot, but I mean, multiple times, probably four times now that I've been stung has been right in that exact spot. Heck. And then I got, it got me again too, like right on my forearm. So I think it was just one of them, you know, and I don't, you know, I went back there and I didn't see any nest or anything like that. So I think it was just a lone one that was flying around Mm. and I just pissed it off. Oh, and he got you multiple times? Yeah. They can sting you multiple times. Yeah, they're in the wasp family. They're not a bee, even though they look like bees. Mm-hmm. They're wasps, so they don't lose their stingers. So they can sting you over and over and over again. That's not fair. Which is awful. And they have venom like wasps, so they, you it's know. It's an irritant. Yeah, it's an yeah. irritant, so you can get swelling and rashes. Histamines and go nuts. Histamine, yeah. And right now it's really high histamine. Like we're peaking the charts here. And um, literally <laughs> Richmond, Virginia is like one of the worst areas in the country for our mm-hmm. allergens. Uh, and right now it's like grass and ragweed right now are both kind of peaking and overlapping. So it's just, it's pretty bad. Um, and leaves are starting to fall. So mold is going to be a thing too. So it's just, it's a pretty crazy. Yeah. Shannon and I here. didn't sleep at all last night because she was coughing all night long because <sighs> she has terrible, terrible allergies. Oh, it's so bad. Rachel's yeah. got tons of headaches and stuff yeah. like that. Mine like is fatigue and then I get like skin sensitivity. Yeah, I'm going to go stuff. to bed at like 5.15 today <laughs> as soon as I get home. <laughs> yeah down just you know go go nocturnal just yeah um but yeah so it got me but you know yeah i've got um not to get all into like medical stuff but i've got like a steroid cream that after i oh good had all the poison ivy issues that i had last good, year good, and good. went to dermatologists and all that they gave me a cream and i tried that with the um the one the the yellow jacket stings nice. you know i basically as soon as i got stung i was like all right i know this drill so i went inside immediately washed up and put the cream on because I knew I was like, oh, it got me right there. I was like, yep, that's going to swell. It's going to swell real bad. Because like last time I got stung, it stung me right on my wrist. And I mean, my whole hand was like a baseball glove. Like, <clears throat> it just like swelled up. I could barely bend my fingers. Oh, my God. And it just happens randomly because they don't, they don't, necess- they, they can choose to inject venom or not. So it's, it's like a total guess as to whether or not you're actually going to swell or mm. have a reaction or whatever. So I guess it didn't, it didn't like venomize me that bad. Maybe because it was just flying around and it just, didn't like what I was doing. It wasn't like, I guess I didn't just, if I disturbed the nest or something like that, that's when they go crazy and get stung. Like, so it wasn't that, but anyway, so yeah, the steroid cream worked really well. It was like a little bit sore for a couple of days and then it's mostly gone now. So, and did you get out of the summer without any poison ivy episodes? I've had some issues here and there, but uh, okay. because I've got the steroid cream that helps keep nice. it from being like a big thing. Yeah. Cause without, without that, it's like three weeks worth of rashes for me. And I've definitely had instances this year for sure, but because I can manage it better, it's uh, less of a thing. So it's been a less noteworthy event. So I haven't talked about it as much. Good. It definitely happens. And I'm doing better at like staying fully clothed and stuff like that. But I'm looking forward to not sweating like crazy wearing pants and long sleeves. We still (laughs) still get a fair amount of 
outdoor clothing recommendations for you. I've stopped oh, yeah? passing all of them along to you <laughs> because I know you're just going to do your thing, but I want yeah. you to know that, they, that the people care. Okay. All right. All right. They want well, you to be stuff. safe, Brian. Good stuff. I am being safe. I'm okay. being much better. Yeah. I'm talking about it less. And they I'm also sweaty. want you to be less sweaty and miserable. Well, that's not going to happen. There's nothing that's going to stop that from happening. Yeah. Um, no, it's pretty good. So, I mean, I've, I've been doing other stuff, but I can't really think of much. I've been reorganizing a lot. Um, Rachel and I have been going through like old paperwork and I've been cleaning up my desk and just like all the, I don't know, I guess with like the mask stuff changing around here and all that, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like we're at a new stage kind of this whole like post COVID life thing. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, that like bin of old receipts and stuff like that, that I just like have shoved aside. Like I'm actually going to go through some of that and just kind of clear some of that out. So I've just been processing some of that and just working through some old junk that's just been sitting around the house for a long time. It's like, yeah, you know what? I think I might be ready to address some of that. So just trying to clean up and organize a lot of that crap in my life. Nice. Yeah. So not there quite yet, but getting there getting there i did some welding you know just random things nothing super exciting but you know just doing doing little things here and there getting ready leaves are starting to fall so i'm oh, gonna get ready for that that makes me so happy yeah you like just, that it's just it's just like a you know a harbinger of death harbinger. for summer and <laughs> i just love that i just love, love i love the thought of, of i love the thought of summer ending it's good i'm ready for it oh I'm, i was ready for it as soon as it began yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I don't know. I feel like it was just yesterday. I was like having to wear gloves all the time outside because my hands were so cold. And I was like, oh yeah, it's starting to get warmer now and it's getting lighter. And now it's like, oh, it's the end of summer and here we go. Like fall is coming. And you know, I just, I just, I just think about why so quick. Oh God, no. I, I hate the summer. Like I just, I think of like how miserable is it to lay on your bed? Just hopefully you have a ceiling fan and just be like, oh God, ceiling fan, please, please help me. Yeah. Like on top of your covers, not even being able to get on your covers versus the opposite, having to put on a bunch of covers mm. and just like bundle up to keep warm. Like that's so much. It's the same thing on different spectrums. One yeah. much more pleasant than the other. Mm. Much less miserable. Fair enough. Yeah. I also went to the zoo. I forgot to mention that. That was technically before San Francisco. Oh, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, because you, you told me all about that, but I guess we have. Yeah. So Sh- Shannon, Archer, and I went to the zoo. Um, Archer had never been to the zoo before. I think last time we were debating about whether you would actually go to the zoo or whether you would go right to, to the, the museum. museum. We went to the zoo. Archer yeah. really wanted to go to the zoo. It was hot and miserable. Yep. Yep. And uphill everywhere. So you go. much uphill. Oh my I god. Know, I don't know how it works, but the, the National oh, Zoo god. at DC. It was so much. It's uphill. just all uphill everywhere. We were so exhausted at the end of the day, and honestly, Archer wasn't really wowed by the animals at all. Yeah. I guess like when you grow up in the age of high definition you know discovery planet earth with david attenborough showing you everything you need to see going and seeing like a you know i think that's a lion's butt sticking out of a cave i think so okay yeah but just move all the animals are just hot and tired yeah like (laughs) it's august and yeah (laughs) so it was still worth it the the, the train ride was fun but that's cool um yeah eh. fair enough we'll definitely do the museum next time it's an experience to have yeah it's cool to have done that yeah yeah very cool all right. Um, do you have a couple of uh, company company updates here? Uh, so Drew has his chromo shading inks video, which you should definitely check out if you've not done so already. And then uh, we tried a new format of video too. Um, so basically kind of like a, I don't know, roundup style video. Basically we have new pens that we're coming out with all the time. So Drew, <laughs> this, this is pretty telling of, of how Drew and I operate. Drew was like, hey, why don't you do like a top three pens of, you know, the season or whatever. And I was like, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Drew likes that number three. So I did it and uh, I was like, 
How many did you come out, up with? Four. I outlined the whole. I outlined Five. the whole thing, and I was like, "Well, hey, Drew, I kind of went. Uh, I went Six. You know, I, I, I could have gone with three, but eight. I ended up doing nine. So, <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I mean, legitimately, I got excited about all nine of these pens. So as long as you're excited, we change it. We change it just to top top pens of the summer. So I don't know whether I actually put the number in there. See, or now not, that it bothers you know. me even more, just because you didn't go to ten all the way now. Yeah, I knew that. Mm. I knew I would just like take it just shy, just shy. I almost put some honorable mentions in there too. And I was like, no, that's where I will draw the line. Nine is my limit. I will draw the line. I got to draw it somewhere. No, but it was good. So anyway, if you guys like this style of video, then I will consider doing this on a more regular basis. Like a fall round. Like a seasonal, like a quarterly kind of a thing. Yeah, I didn't go strictly. I didn't. You know, I debate about like calling it summer because it technically wasn't like summer season yeah. fully. Summer. But it was like, yeah, you know. The months that are mostly associated with summer. Yeah. But then by the time we have editing and stuff in there, it's like, I don't want it to be so far beyond yeah. summer that you're then like, why are you talking about summer and it's Halloween? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it could easily be that. So I was like, whatever. summer with whatever Whatever timeline works there. So I don't know. We'll see if that works. All right. And then uh, I think that's all we got for this week, Drew. I think it is. It's good to be back in person. It is. It's good to see your wonderful face. Look at that. Ah! How could you not miss that? Uh, I want to thank you all for watching. Uh, Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us some questions in the comments, or you can shoot us an email at pencast at gulepens.com. I uh, should definitely check out gulepens.com, our self-sponsorship uh, <laughs> at, uh, for all your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. And like us on YouTube, Instagram, all that. We're going to be messing around on TikTok some more, too. We're trying some things out. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe if you haven't already. You'll look at our channel and be like, what the heck are these guys doing? They don't figure, haven't figured anything out yet. And you would be right. But we'll be there if you are interested. Uh, and I have a random fun fact uh, that was, uh, I've got school starting on the mind. A school fact? A school a school fact. Mm. I know it's not the most exciting, okay. but it's random. Uh, so did you know that in the U.S. there are over 500,000 school buses that run every day to transport the more than 26 million children to and from school? It is the largest public transportation system in the country. There's a lot of sticky fingers. It's a lot of sticky fingers. 500,000 buses. Half a million buses. That's so many school buses. I can't picture. I can't picture that. There's a little bit of stuff in the in the uh, news about school buses because I think part of the new transportation uh, bill that passed or the new, uh, not transportation bill, the new uh, environmental uh, infrastructure bill. Um, some of that is for electric school buses. Oh. And I believe that Fairfax County, which is where Rachel grew up, yeah. that is the largest school bus like public school transportation system in the country they really 1600 school buses in that county really yeah there's like 40 high schools in fairfax county it's crazy i mean i know that there's a dense population center yeah but, but the, the school bus system the transportation system is the largest in the country so that's so weird because there are big there are bigger cities in the country oh yeah of course but it's it's, it's a very densely populated um, wow um, and it's the whole county so there's lots of lots of bus stuff so anyway but um, yeah, they're like apparently doing some uh, electric school bus like stuff in Fairfax County, like kind of leading leading some of the charge on that one. So it's Very pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah, converting over because apparently diesel is uh, not so great for the environment. I've you heard. I've heard that. Yeah, not yes. great for uh, children. You know, breathing that in as they're idling at the stops, yeah. or especially in cities and stuff like that. If you're one of those kids know. that has to like walk around the front of the bus too. <laughs> oh yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. So yeah, they're experimenting with some uh, some electric school buses, which is pretty cool. Red! School buses are very interesting. Just as a 
design and technology and stuff like that. They're more fascinating than you would think. I like the idea of a sneaky, quiet school bus. I don't know why. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. Think about an electric school bus, just like stealth Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't picture that. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm, sneaky school bus. Yeah. Anyway, that's my random fact. All right, ninja buses. bus. Half a million buses. That's so many buses. Like, I have, so many buses. I have no concept. Of, I, I was reading the other day about how, like, you know, Amazon spent $90 million on the Lord of the Rings advertising budget. I'm like... I'm sure that's a lot, but $90 million. I've never seen $90 million of anything. I don't know no, what that means. You what, can't what? conceive I'm of like that. thinking of like, okay, I've seen a million dollar house before. Can I picture 90 of those? Nope. No. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Numbers. There you go. We'll leave you all with that. Thanks for sticking it out with us. We'll be back again next week. And then, I don't know, we're going to be off later. Maybe the week after that, I think we're off. Anyway, I'm doing some traveling. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Anyway. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching, and right on.